welcome back, everybody. This is Dolan Long on first, coming at you on a Thursday evening, a couple days later than normal. That's all right. It's just uh, it's playoff, so we got a little extra time. No Thursday night games, no Friday night games, a couple Saturday yeah. games. Excited for that one. But uh, coming at you, yes. division. We're late because Seth was out west partying all week, so here yeah. we are, you know. Yep. You know, flew back in just for this. Is oh, this in Las uh, Vegas, you said? You said Las Vegas, right? Where'd you yep. go? See the Palace, Mandalay Bay? I think he said San Francisco. Oh. Somewhere around San there. Diego? Yeah. You know? San Jose. Anyways, Owen, oh, is this a is this super <laughs> is this super division weekend? They call you know, that. You you can put whatever adjective you want on it. Uh, it's not super in the sense of having more games than normal, but uh, I tell you, I have a rooted betting interest in this week, and a rooted uh, my favorite team is going to the Super Bowl, and it starts this week. This week, so I'm ready. You're ready. Jeremy's ready. Let's just call it Super Divisional Round. Let's just Super Divisional Round Weekend. Maybe Super Duper Divisional Round. Super Duper. Might as well. Super Duper Divisional. Well, you know what? Work in progress. We'll get there. We'll figure it out by the end of the pod. But either way, I'm ready. Ready. Yes, me too. Can't wait. Uh, you know, we got to go back to last weekend, even though it feels so far away as we were talking about or uh before but um you know let's run through these games quick you know discuss them a little bit because there are some notable things that i i think we should bring up uh but then we can we can run back over to next to this weekend more important games now uh but let's start in uh let's start with game one buffalo and indy uh they played on saturday uh probably the best game of the weekend you know it started off strong it did and I didn't think it would be. I, I thought Buffalo would kind of handle this um, pretty easily, but Indianapolis surprised everybody, and they kept up with them for the most part, you know, until that last Hail Mary, Rivers couldn't quite get it to the end zone, but mm-hmm. I guess that's what you get with a 38-year-old arm. They've been putting Jacoby Brissett in for those long passes all year, and it looked weird, but we understood. And then for the playoff game, they didn't for some reason, and then there it is. He just throws it short. Yeah. I mean – yeah. What do you expect? You know, this point of the season, old quarterback. What do you expect? Damn. Yeah. Ah. Unfortunately, didn't get the dramatic ending we wanted, but that's all right. I, I, was, I think good I picked Buffalo game, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think we all picked Buffalo, but I think Rivers played good all game. Three oh nine, two tutties. Jonathan Taylor had a decent game, and John, Jonathan Taylor has been playing out. I mean, the whole second half of the season. Michael Pittman. It's going to be crazy moving forward because this might be, you know, Rivers' last game. He didn't really come out. He just said, like, he had that emotional press conference right afterwards. He never really come out and said if he was going to move on. And then there's all the rumblings and whispers of, if you know, oh, my God, is Carson Wentz going to end up over there because he'd be a perfect fit. Guy looks like ass last year. I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see because now next year with all this young, you know, supporting cast on the offs- offense, it's like, are they a quarterback away now? Because, I mean, without, without Rivers at the helm, what would they have been this year? And it's like you've been grooming Brissett now for a couple of years. Do you just move on with him? You know? Isn't his contract up at the end of the year? That I one I don't know. I'm not sure. On I, I, I thought I read that somewhere quickly, but I could be wrong. But, you know, coming back to Rivers quickly, if he does go, is he one of the best quarterbacks to not win a ring? He might fall, like, in that Dan Marino, like, like you just said, quarterbacks that haven't won a Super Bowl. 
he's obviously not on Dan Marino's level because, I mean, Rivers hasn't even had a passing title, you know? He doesn't have any, like, astronomical stats. Like, he's got – he played in when the passing game really took off. He, he come in right as it started to take off. And, I mean, he's – you're comparing him with Big Ben and Eli, who both got rings, and then Big Ben's got stats too. That's you the, know? the 2004 draft quarterbacks. So yeah. I, That's the kicker right there. He's – he, he, he's been more of a character. He's just been one of those solid guys he knows playing in the league and you always love him for it every time you see him on TV. He's never been, like, MVP-level play, but but you do have to consider, you know, 2004 to 2020 just solid starting quarterback years in football. He's just one of those top ten guys basically every year. So, in that but, sense, I mean, gold jacket worthy? I don't see it. What you know where about? I, I – I would love to – because I like Rivers, and I would love to see him make it. But he's being compared against Eli and Big Ben, and obviously he has not performed like that. And then you got to compare him to Drew Brees because he was the guy that took over for Drew Brees, and Drew Brees has had so much more success since he left. And it's just like Rivers is the worst of the four. Well, I mean, Drew Brees is an all-timer. Big Ben's got the Super Bowls and the play. Eli has the Super Bowls. Rivers probably been a better quarterback his whole year. I think stats will probably back that up. Too. I know, but what matters more, those rings or those stats? I agree. That's what I, that's what we're saying too. I guess is that Eli is going to get his gold jacket for uh, for having those two Super Bowls. But and, and this is the thing with the stats too is like Rivers never had a five thousand yard season. He never had a forty touchdown season. Like, and he's always been a guy that throws picks. You know, Rivers has never had these years where it's like, oh my god, did you see what Phil Rivers did this year? I mean, his best. His best year is 4,700 yards, 29 touchdowns, 13 picks. Or if you go touchdowns, 4,009 yards, 34 touchdowns, and 11 picks. You know, it's like he doesn't – I mean, don't get me wrong. He's thrown 4,000 yards basically every damn year. But – Here, Jeremy, let me throw you something at you real quick. Just an argument for him. So, he's made the Pro Bowl eight times. Say what you want about that. But means he's nothing. He's top five in career passing touchdowns, <clears throat> top five in career passing yards, top five in uh, career passes completed. He's sixth in pass attempts, and he's um, 12th in passer rating. That's career. And he's, pr- probably, he's probably a top five trash talker of all time, too. Gosh, For sure. It. Secretly? For yeah, sure. For sure. 100%. <laughs> you know, Golly. Seth, <laughs> and I mean – He's definitely, you know, a career high in children probably in the league other than Antonio oh, Martin. But, um, Seth, what I'll say is you don't have to talk me into I'm, – I'm a Philip Rivers fan, but I'm just trying to be the realist here and probably play devil's advocate. But he, I don't I, think he makes it. I, don't, I just I, don't think he makes it. No, I don't think he makes first ballot, but I think he will eventually get in because he's – I mean, career-wise, he's got the numbers to back it up. And – I mean, if you're going to throw – I mean, you're going to put Eli in because of the rings, not because of you the – You have to. You but, have to. I mean, Rivers has the numbers but not the rings, where Eli's got the rings but not the numbers, really. Well, I mean, so, okay, it's similar to – I was just going to say Troy Aikman, rings but not the numbers. Yep. A lot exactly. more rings than Eli, but, you know. I think eventually you have to put a guy like Rivers in. I mean, I think all three are going to get in. Ben, I mean, obviously Ben's going in. Ben, uh, Rivers, and Eli, I think they all eventually make it. Into my, my pro- Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think they all eventually make it into the Hall of Fame. 
I think Ben is probably the only one who you can make an argument for first ballot, like first yep, time. Absolutely. But so I think eventually my, Eli and Philip get in. My only argument for that is every young quarterback now with the way the because Philip Rivers hit like right as the passing game started to take off. Obviously, he was there with LT for a little bit. Um, so I mean, they still were running the ball, but like Philip Rivers was one of those transitional quarterbacks to where the league started to turn from you had to have a dominant running back to you've got to just throw the ball 24 seven. And now he's, he's against the, cause like, like you just said, you named off all those things he's top five in, but now he's going to get passed and all those things by like Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, all these young quarterbacks are definitely going to pass that. Cause I mean, the way the league is so pass happy, like, Look at Justin Herbert already in, in uh, San uh, – not San Diego, L.A., doing, like, literally what Rivers was doing a couple of years ago as a rookie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just – it's going to turn into it. that where all these young quarterbacks are just going to take these these numbers and they're going to push these guys to the wayside. And then on top of it, it's like it might be Rivers and Big Ben's last games, right? You still got Drew Brees and Tom Brady playing, and they bought, both might be playing next year. And it's just like – these guys started before both of them and they're going to outlast both of them. And it's like, they've got numbers and they both got rings. I just, I feel like rivers is one of those guys that's going to fall into, he's going to have a lot more detractors than he's going to have things to his favor. No rings. His stats are going to wither away over time because these young guys are going to kind of push him down the rankings. And it's just like, when you go back and look at Phillip rivers, you can't even go, well, look at Phillip rivers and say this year, because he doesn't have any, like astronomical years where it's like, wow, Philip Rivers was the best quarterback in the NFL. He's yeah. always a top five, 10 guy, but he was never like, oh my God, the best quarterback that year. Where you could go back and you can go, Ben Roethlisberger was the best quarterback that year, or Eli Manning won a, a Super Bowl that year. You can't do that with Philip Rivers. He, he's almost been cursed because there's, I mean, you could say five of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL played while. Philip played. I mean, you can throw Brett Favre in there towards the end of his career. Tom Brady, like you said, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers started halfway through, started a few years after him. I mean, he's been so many good quarterbacks in the league that he's had to yep. compete with, which, you know, I mean, but not everybody you just a, named off, everybody you just named off is better than him. Everybody you just named oh, off yeah. is more of Hall of Fame. Everyone you just named off, I would put in the Hall of Fame before him. And that's yeah. the thing is, the guys you just named off are all that transitional period. Like Brett Favre was the end of it. Peyton Manning played into the, just the beginning of when the passing game got crazy. Cause it's been Philip Rivers falls in right there where it's like, we were still run heavy and now we're pass heavy. And in that time, he was never like the best quarterback. That's my thing is I think if you're a hall of famer, and this is my personal opinion, and obviously I don't vote on the hall of fame, but when you look back on somebody's hall of fame career, you should be able to go, he was the best damn quarterback that year, especially with a position like quarterback where there's only one on each team. You should be able to go back and be like, so for instance, when Aaron Rodgers goes in first ballot, Aaron Rodgers has been the best quarterback three years in his career for sure. You know what I mean? When you go back on Ben Roethlisberger, you can find a year. And then it's like for the guys that go in that have a lot of rings, Troy Aikman, Eli Manning, it's like these guys just simply have a bunch of years. You know what I mean? But it's just like with Phil Rivers, you can't do either thing. No, Dan Marino, right. you can, Dan Marino, you can even go back and be like, Dan Marino was the best quarterback this handful of years, but he, he has no rim. He was the one who, he, he he's the one that started the passing thing. Like he was, yeah. he was the passing guy before that started. Eighties, yep. early nineties, things like that. Yeah. We Owen. spent too much time talking on Philip Rivers. 
Yeah, Owen. Well, what, well what, in what, regards what, to his Hall of Fame career, yeah, but uh, he does turn 40 in, in next November. Frank Reich has been on record saying he wants Philip Rivers to be Rivers the quarterback back. next year. Yep. Colts GM Chris Ballard has said that he is not sure if he was 35 years old, he would be a no-brainer. We're signing him to a five-year deal. Yep. But uh, that that is the question lingering for the Colts. Uh, that'll be interesting to see. Because otherwise, the roster, other than that, has been fantastic. It's fantastic. And it's young, too. We should tie that straight into, is this Big Ben's last game? Well, Big Ben, I think it's more likely for – my bad, Seth. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I was just going to say, I think it's more likely for Rivers to come back than Big Ben. Maybe. Let's say here quick. Do you, if you're the, if you're the Colts, do you bring back Rivers, even if he wants to? I mean, do oh. you bring back, do you bring him back or do you go for somebody who's younger? Maybe okay. like a Matt Stafford or, you know, maybe a guy like Sam Darnold. I don't know. So I, so I started talking about it as you were asking it to me. You pretty uh, much read, you read your mind a little bit. Jump me right into it. Yeah. I apologize. You're the host, Seth. I want to respect this show. I want to respect your, the host chair. Uh, please just mute me when I start getting out of line. Uh, you know, that's a good idea. Nothing I've ever because Maybe yeah, because like because <laughs> like you said, I, I mean, like we both mentioned, that's uh, a big decision they're gonna have to make. You're right. Jacoby Brissett is also expiring contract this yep. year. Uh, rookie Jacob Eason is the only quarterback under contract for the Colts, and he is not going to be starting if they have any say in it. So I would say they're gonna let this quarterback carousel start. Uh, they're obviously going to keep contact with Rivers, and if he like he's adamant about coming back, they're probably going to give him that shot. But uh, they're going to be looking at Stafford. They're going to be looking at Darnold. They're going to be looking at this Deshaun Watson situation that keeps unfolding every day. It seems seems like uh, there's a few other quarterbacks, probably Derek Carr. Um, no, probably not Carson Wentz anymore. Looks nope. like. <laughs> you know, if, um, if you're the Colts and Watson wants out. You know how good that team would be if Watson was on Indy? Seth, I mean, the favorite Seth, in the league? or Everything I've read and heard, though, the Deshaun Watson stuff has been blown way out of proportion. I mean, mo- most likely. Yeah. I w- I, from everything I read and heard over the last couple of days, the Watson stuff did not come from Watson at all. He was apparently displeased with the fact that they didn't clue him in on the, the GM search, but then I heard that, Basically, they were so in love with that guy that they just took him. But apparently, Watson's going to be a lot more clued in on um, the coach search. But it's getting a lot more publicity because it's like you got Andre Johnson popping up and saying, "Oh yeah, that's, and it's just like that that's looks where terrible. it got real to me. Where that's where it got yeah. That's where it got real because it's like this is an all-time Texan right here, and he's bad mouthing this this organization. It's like oof. But um, I think as far as the Colts and quarterbacks moving forward. I would probably pony up everything to get one more year out of Rivers, personally. Exactly. I mean, you got to try. You yes. got to try to run it back at least one time. You got to at least try to run it back one time. And like Rivers, he made all the statements about how he felt like there was no point in this season where it felt like um, it was no point in the season where it didn't feel like this was the team to do it. You know, he made that in his exit his exit uh, interview. And so you're telling me that you'll take you'll take Rivers over Stafford in the playoffs? Like, who are you trusting more in, in the playoff game? How are, okay, so now time out. How are you getting Stafford? That's the question. I mean, all you it, most to likely it's going to be – You're right, but I I don't know. I, to me, I would rather have a guy like Stafford. If you're not going to give up a whole lot and so you got to eat that contract as the biggest thing, I would do that because you're going to pay Rivers a good chunk of money anyway. 
So might as well take a younger guy who's got a bigger arm, things like that, who can probably make, I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in Rivers. I think he, I don't want to say almost held that offense back, but it's like Drew Brees in New Orleans right now. Like it's it's kind of a limited offense because his arm just isn't there anymore. I guess what I would say is, are you better off running it back with Rivers and signing him on a one-year contract with a super young roster and then drafting a quarterback early, not maybe the first round, but within the first two days, and then grooming that guy on a young contract? Or do you go pony up this money and this compensation to go get a Stafford? Because let's think about it. Like, the teams that usually win the Super Bowls outside of, like, the great teams like the Patriots when they had Brady, the teams that usually win the Super Bowl and have these great rosters – have quarterbacks on rookie contracts. So I think I would pony up one year for Rivers, try to get a quarterback. I mean, they could get what's his name out of Alabama. You could get Mac. him at the end of the first. Yeah, you could get him at the, end of the first or early in the second. I would that'd I be an ideal fit. After after what he did in the national championship, I think he's a lock for first round pick. And I mean that's the thing is well, that's a different it, it discussion. Might not even, that is you're it right. Is, you're right. It is. It is. And that's still in the first round, that might not be a bad pick for the Colts because they're going to be drafting at the latter end of the, the first. It might not be a bad pick to take a guy like oh, that. Yeah, yeah, the Colts. Let's let's pick the guy that had four first-round all-star receivers playing against really bad cornerbacks in college and put him up here in the big leagues with maybe one or two talented guys against the best corners in the league. Yeah, no problem. It would be a perfect fit, ideal fit. No problem. For the Colts. So, Owen, oh, to your argument, I mean, that's what Miami just did with Tua. <laughs> It's not going so well. And Flores oh. did say uh, news today was, I mean, because there's scuttlebutt about the Dolphins picking quarterback in number three. But, Which is uh, ridiculous. I mean, that is he's, ridiculous. Not, he's not, he did not play Josh Rosen bad. All right. I think it's ridiculous. Josh, he didn't. He didn't. He God, played, did you, he played what, three games and he's coming off of an, uh, not ACL, but what, hip, whatever he hip, did. The hip, the hip. Yeah, hip. exactly. I mean, he's coming off huge injury. I just, there's so much scrutiny on, I mean, just because he was, you know, Alabama guy and stuff like that, but I don't know. I think there's way too much about him right could now. You, you got to give him Could time. you believe it? Could you believe it if Miami pulled that Arizona 2.0 and traded him? That would be, I mean, if, if it was for Deshaun Watson, I mean, you do that. You know, it's, <laughs> I was going to say, it's got to be real too, because you're seeing so much speculation with it with, are they drafting a quarterback in the first round? Are they trading for Watson? Are they – and then I've seen comparisons with him and Hurts of who played better this year. It's like there's a little too much speculation there for Tua to be comfortable, I think. Yeah, 100%. I, think so I, I mean, but but as you just said, Owen, Flores came out and pretty much said that Tua was the guy, right? Yeah, he did reaffirm that he's excited he should to go be. ahead next year with Tua at quarterback. I mean, the I Eagles said how Doug was the guy, is, so – uh, do they bring Fitzpatrick back to close out the games? <laughs> I mean, if two is, sometimes. Hey, if two is the guy, you don't bring back. Uh, you don't bring back the bearded wonder. You know, you don't really bring back anyone to 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 compete in the quarterback room. You just bring back like a like a Chase Daniel or a Matt Moore, like career backup, that kind of guy to help him out. But you know, right. it, it it's I think it's smart to bring back a quality backup because you never know what's going to happen, especially with a young guy like that. It's true. That's also a different discussion. We don't need to go there. (laughs) Let's come, let's come back to this game quickly because we didn't talk about Buffalo at all. We just went into rivers and then went off from there. Uh, What can you say? I mean, 
Oh, sorry. go ahead. Well, I was just going to say Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs pretty much Stephon did Diggs. whatever yeah. they wanted. They um, did what they've been doing all year. You know what I mean? I mean, Josh yeah. Allen's got two in the air, one on the ground, and then Diggs goes for 100-plus yards and a touchdown. This is this is the Bills' offense all year round, you know? This is, it's just, this is why their offensive coordinator has been being looked at as a high-end coach, you know, yep. for everybody moving forward. Just the development of Josh Allen from what he was his rookie year to three years later. Uh, just a total raw, just huge arm, and now he's like crazy. You know, one, one of the best yeah. players. To, uh, I think we were talking about it earlier. Jeremy and I picked Buffalo to uh, cover the spread. They did not. Seth, you were the lone winner in this game, picking Indy to make it close. And it was really a perfect matchup for Indy playing against Buffalo uh, because Buffalo hasn't been playing teams like Indy in the past six weeks when they have been destroying them. Uh, but they still look good. It's not that they look bad at all. That was just a good playoff game. Uh, that's just how it's going to be from now right. on. I, that's it's what hard you to like see. to see in the playoffs, though. This yes. is the kind of game you like to see. You don't want to see blowouts. You don't want to see that. Right. So, I mean, Josh Allen taking on Lamar. We'll get, we'll get into it. That is going to be – that it. might be my favorite game this weekend. Ooh. That might – I mean, it's going to be good. I, I think that's going to be a shootout. That'll be fun. All right, let's yeah. move on to our – one of two NFC games on Saturday. Uh, we had the Rams and the Seahawks. I think the Rams sur- surprised a lot of people um, coming out, winning 30 to 20, moving on to play our Green Bay Packers. Um, but going to be an interesting game. Yes, it will. But uh, they had a bit of a, a quarterback carousel going on there. Uh, you know, Wolford comes in to start the game. Doesn't look too bad. I mean, you know, doesn't do a whole lot, but doesn't look bad. You know, does that rush, uh, gets hurt. Goff comes in and kind of looks like Goff almost pretty much. But he he actually, he looked like good Goff though. He looked like good Goff, especially for being down a thumb, you know? Yeah, I suppose you could, you could make that argument. Yeah. I mean, Wolford came in just the fact that they still suited up Goff, uh, had me thinking a little bit about what Sean McVay's intentions are here in the future, because this type of offense is always better suited with a mobile quarterback. That's the whole point of it. Um, and, and we've been, you know, it's no secret that Jared Goff has as many questions as to if he can be a starting quarterback in the league long-term and especially with the Rams, but if he could play and they weren't forcing him into that game to play a playoff game of, uh, win or die game is McVay is going to start Wolford over a healthy golf next week. Is that what's going to happen? I think, you know, that probably what was going to happen until the announcement, but there's been a lot about that too. A lot about that. I think the thing about golf is the only reason he didn't start is because they're the only two quarterbacks in the roster, right? Uh, Healthy. Healthy. Blake Bortles, actually. Blake Bortles will be. Uh, well, that's the right. They brought out. him in, what, like the last week of the last season? Last week. Yeah. Yeah, when Goff got hurt. Uh, it is. It was confirmed. Uh, I should back it back up what I said earlier. It is confirmed that John Wolford is out for the Packers game. Uh, Jared Goff will be starting, and Blake Bortles will be the backup. That is all I mean, confirmed. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to lie, though. Goff actually played pretty good considering circumstances. You know, in Seattle, 
broken thumb, and he comes in cold. And the dude goes for 155 and a touchdown, 9 for 19. He realistically, when he come on, he outplayed Russ the whole game when he come in. I mean, he didn't play bad. I think Goff is kind of a funny one because he's, like, hot and cold. There's there's times where Goff will go two games in a row. It's like, wow, Goff just looks super underwhelming. And then everybody's like, yeah, the Rams offense would be so much better with, like you said, oh, on a scrambling quarterback. But then it's like Goff, like, he doesn't really hurt you. He just doesn't elevate a team. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I no, I mean it, it doesn't it doesn't hurt having Cam Akers go off, you know, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, that, that that kind of won them the game. I mean their their defense won them the game, no question about yeah. it. But yeah, having Akers do what he did, yeah, that was I mean, Goff didn't have to do much really. He he Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The, the Rams did enough to win the game, uh, but it was really Seattle's just absolute flub of an end of the season getting in here like what was that like I was I was watching the Seattle offense like the play calling was confusing uh Russell Wilson not being able to do anything was confusing because of what we watched just like two to three months earlier uh they're obviously making a couple changes on the play calling side here in the offseason already but what I mean the Seattle didn't look like a playoff team at all no they no they didn't look like they belonged. Poster of a team they were this year. Like beginning of the year, they looked so good. Russell's MVP front runner, no question. Like middle of the season, a little bit of a dip, and then they come back like in the, the third quarter of the season and start to play better. But then the last couple of weeks, they just kind of shut down again and then didn't yep. do anything here. So it's like they need to make changes, I think, on the offense because that's been the issue with this team since Russ has come in almost. It's been Russ doing – the whole offense, the whole show. I mean, they won the Super Bowl, one of the Super Bowls off of that defense alone. I, I, they need to have a more complete offense for that team to be a consistent Super Bowl contender. And it, it, showed, showed. it showed on Saturday. Well, I think recently they a- they've found out that Marshawn Lynch was just such a huge factor. <laughs> and Chris Carson could be that kind of running back for them, but he's just hurt all the time. Yeah. You know, the thing about it though is when you look at when you look at the numbers in this game, you got Carson going Chris Carson going 16 for 77. That's not a terrible game. And then DK showed up and had 96 yards and the two touchdowns. And I mean Russ's wasn't terrible. It just was underwhelming, you know, real bad. But it's like they've got star what's what's funny is they got star power, but it's like then there's nothing. They've got like nothing behind these guys, you know, because it's like right. I, I'm not going to lie, Tyler Lockett, I think it's way too much credit for what he really is. You see people popping up and going, Tyler Lockett's one of the best receivers in the league. He's not. I mean, he's really not. Two for 43, that seems like Tyler Lockett-type numbers. But then that's it. There's nobody after that. You know, Jacob Hollister was kind of the guy going into last offseason. Their so, running game, like you said, Owen, there's always a back that's yeah. hurt. It's yeah. it's all this Russ backyards football, just Sandlot-type football where he's running around trying to make a play. And then the defense isn't what it used to be to be able to make up Yep. You know, when the offense isn't showing up. And then when you look at the defensive stats, it's just, holy crap, Bobby Wagner's 11, 11 tackles and a sack. But then that's it. You know, there's nobody after that. Jamal Adams didn't really do anything in this game, you know? <laughs> like we thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who who would have thunk this guy can't cover and he didn't show up in the playoffs? What do you know? You know? <laughs> First playoff game he's ever played in and he doesn't show up. That's all right. He's young. He'll learn. I'm he's not going to lie. He's still I'm, a good I'm kind cover. of a Jamal. He's still a good cover safety, Jeremy. Don't. You're, you're terrible. I'm kind of a Jamal Adams hater, which is hilarious because 
You really I, are. I just, it it, it kind of shown you 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 showed that throughout the year, but that's all right. It, you, know? you know when it when it comes to when it comes to position like like safety and running back, I I can appreciate guys that can do all of it, but there's just something about like a running back that can't run the ball, but he can do everything else, or like a safety that can't cover, but then he can do everything else. It just annoys me because it's just like your first priority should be to cover. You know, you're a safety, yep. you should be able to cover people. And the way he went out of New York and just kind of bad mouthed them and everything, that, I just – I don't appreciate that. Like, I'm not a Jets fan by any means, but, I mean, if somebody came out of Philly like that, I'd hate the guy. I'd absolutely hate the guy. And the way he went out of New York, I just – I didn't care for it. And it's like, I don't know. Seattle's got a lot more to do than just trade for a high-end safety. You know what I mean? That's that's the thing. Well, they got – they're, uh, they're a typical example of a, of a high-end team with nothing else to show for it. Yep. Yeah, it's like you just said, four, four or five stars, and then there's there's really nothing else. And, you know, that's so funny because that's kind of how you think of the Rams, too, is the Rams got, like, Ramsey, Donald. They've got, like, these big-name guys. But the Rams actually do have a lot of role players because it's like, you know, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are not thought of to be, like, number one, like, a top receiver. But they're really good. They do really good at what they do. And it's like you got – I mean, Cam Akers, you got a couple of running backs that do good. Jared Goff is not a guy that everybody goes like, oh my God, I'd love to have Jared Goff on my team. But it's, it, they almost kind of felt like that too, but they've just, they've got a lot more to work with outside of those guys than Seattle. But I guess the one question here is like, is it more than just that roster in Seattle? Because Pete Carroll's not getting any younger. That guy's old. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, com- when- I, I completely agree with your point that you're trying to make. I, I was going to say that the, the, the Los Angeles defense has those stars. They have the Donald and Ramsey, and they have like, like Leonard Floyd, you could say too. But the defense just so far outplays something like Seattle, and that goes farther up than just talent. Maybe the Rams are talented generally, just more than the Seattle defense, but that's that's coaching, that's strategy, yep. that's game plan. That's uh, it, just it's it was all apparent too in the game, too. Like it was just yep. it was so obvious yep. that it's more of a team that plays as a unit on defense versus a team that plays with a couple of guys showing up and the rest of them are just there. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Seattle 100%. really let those Super Bowl rosters wither away really quickly. You know what I mean? You know, mm-hmm. you could you could almost something that popped into my head earlier. It, it might be a little extreme, but you could almost like whisper it, but it's like are they wasting Russ's career? You know, Oof. all this all this talk of Rodgers his career being wasted, but you could almost just kind of think about it, you know, Russ's career being wasted in Seattle because he's such a talented player. And he went, went to two, one, one, but yeah. So I guess I hear what you're saying, Seth. I totally hear what you're saying. Cause it's like what he has around him right now is a slap in the face to any high end quarterback like that. Now where you can't really say it is like you just said, he went to two Super Bowls. He won one. They, they make the playoffs. They're, they're almost routinely the one or two best team in the uh, NFC West. So it's like, I get where you're going with that because it's like they don't really build around him. You know what I mean? It's like Seattle seems to almost take advantage of the fact that, like, hey, we got a quarterback that can run a little bit. Let's not draft any linemen. <laughs> like, let's not build an <laughs> offensive line. Let's not build a run. Game. Eventually, hey, we'll, he won't be able to do that. Right. We'll give you this tight end sized wide receiver, but we're not going to put an offensive line in front of you. You're just going to run around Frank, Frank Tarkington. Like, and it's just like, 
you know, I hate to say it, but eventually those quarterbacks, the hits start to wear on them or they just take one real big blow and then they're done. And that's like what worries me about Lamar because it's just like as a person that was a Michael Vick fan, eventually they get worn out. And I mean, Russ is really smart about sliding and stuff like, yeah, that, that's true. But it can only go on for so long. It really, it, it, eventually the guy's going to age. Is one. You know? All it takes is yep, one. That's it. Yep. All right. Unless we got anything else to say about this game other than Rams are coming Move up. on. Yeah, no. All I had was uh, you said two for 43 for Lockett. I mean, that was without Ramsey covering him. He was on DK basically the whole game. And the only play that Ramsey really got burnt on was that long DK specialty goal ball. I mean, Ramsey didn't really have a chance of catching up to him. But, I mean, other than that, that was lockdown city. Yep. I'll take Ramsey all day over those receivers. I mean, if if you're taking – yeah. I would put Ramsey up against anybody. That guy – there's – there's one guy in the world that's built to cover that dude, and it's Jalen Ramsey. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. That defense scares me. That defense could take them to the Super Bowl and maybe yep. even win it depending on who they play, but that defense is that good. It is. All right. You get one hot game out of Goff. I mean, you get a game or two hot out of Goff, and you get, you know, Akers keep on showing up. You could have some real problems in the NFC because it's like, if Akers controls the clock against you guys, and if Donald and Ramsey show up, I mean, Ramsey's good enough to, I hate to say it, I love me some Devontae Adams, but he could take Devontae Adams out of a game. Like, he could erase him. You know what I mean? Something and tells if, me we're going to be arguing about this game later on. We will. I can't wait. I can't wait. You know what? I'm going to save all that. Let's save move it. on to the next one. Let, let's move on to Washington and Tampa. They played Saturday night, and it was – it disappointed me. That's all I have to say is I was disappointed by the what? outcome. You were oh, oh, okay. By the outcome, you, I suppose. I was going to say the outcome's disappointing, but you're going to tell me uh, Taylor, I can't remember how to say his last name. Heineke, I believe. Isn't it Heineke? Heineke? Yeah. That guy might have solidified the quarterback room moving forward in Washington because it's like you that should have seen the rumblings. That was my one question for this game. Is Taylor so, Heineke – the future in Washington. I seen so many rumblings, beat writers and everything on Twitter. And they're all like, Washington no longer looking to draft a quarterback in the first round. I was like, no freaking crap. But like, he looked good. Like he looked really impressive. But the thing about it is like, anybody can flash for a game. You know what I mean? Like one game you can flash, but I mean, the weapons that you have, and I mean, he looked good throwing the ball. He looked good running the ball. He's young, so of course you're gonna have a, you're gonna have some issues with turning the ball over. But like with scary Terry, Cam Sims, Logan Thomas, and uh, Stevenson, you can make it work with a lot of different quarterbacks with that that offense. You know what I mean? I yeah. think you know it, it was one game, like you just said, anybody can flash in one game. But I they I think they do have a future with him. I don't know if they necessarily need to go after a quarterback in the draft anymore. I mean, might not be a bad idea because I mean Alex Smith. Maybe coming back next year. I don't know. I wouldn't. I mean, if you bring him back, I wouldn't start him. Uh, he would be a you know back no, yeah. guy. I mean, you got to go with Heineke right now, who's on the roster. But not a bad idea to draft somebody later on, just in case. But it, it makes for exci- it makes it exciting. That's what I got to say. I it's think, a, I think that yeah, they would be they probably be looking for somebody better. But I mean, if they if they're like stuck with Taylor Heineke I think he they proved or he proved that 
that that won't be that much of a problem. They can make it work in the NFC beast. Um, <clears throat> I think they could still compete for the for the division for sure. And I mean, he was just running around. He was just making plays. I think he kind of knew the situation at hand that Tampa Bay was kind of, excuse me, just obviously the better team. But uh, I mean, he the, he didn't let that get to him, and that's kind of that's the NFL quarterback mentality, right? You want that? Yep. Yep. I was gonna say he he showed up. He showed out. You know. Like, like Seth and I said, it's one game. If I'm Washington, though, I think I just keep stacking on an already really good roster. they got a good offensive line. they obviously got a great young defensive line. You've got, you've got skill position, guys. The only thing that they're really missing is, like, Antonio Gibson, is he, like, a really good running back? Is he, you know, a David Montgomery? I don't know, but, you know, he's not bad. Yeah, I'm just going to let that. that. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to react. <laughs> I'm not going to get – I'm not going to take the bait today. But, but um, I mean, I mean, just overall like player development because I think they got like a lot of pieces in the right spots. So you just yeah, hundred percent. I think it. I would if I was Washington. I think I would just first, second, third round. I'd just stack on that roster: skill, position, offensive line, defense, pass rushers. Best, you know, best player and, available type thing. Yeah. And then I would go get. I would roll into the next season with Heineke as my starter, and then go grab one of these veteran quarterbacks in the in the free agency. You know, like say Fitzpatrick is sitting out there. Grab him, put him on the bench. You know what I mean? That would be a perfect fit because it's like this dude don't pan out. Fitzpatrick in that roster could make some serious noise in the NFC East. You bring up, you bring up Fitzpatrick. I think it's a lock. He's going to New England, and he's just going to complete complete the seat the circuit over there in the AFC East. I think that's just what's going to happen. He would, he would. So speaking of the make... AFC East, <laughs> go ahead, Seth. No, I was just gonna say he would almost jokingly almost make me a, a Patriots fan because I'm a big I'm a big Pitts, Fitzpatrick yeah. fan. Pitsy guy, yeah. You know, Speaking you, of you, the lot, you, you just root for those kind of guys. You know, it's kind of like Frank Gore. You just want to see those kind of guys just continue to play and never retire. Yeah. Eventually, it'll anyways. Happen. All right, that's that's enough. That's enough. Ba- back to Heineke the- and back to Washington, but yeah, I, I was gonna say. The, the one thing I was going to say is Tampa just kind of showed out like what a quarterback that's been there, done that can do. Cause Tom Brady wasn't like phased by that pass rush or anything. I mean, Tom Brady, he looks like a guy, like he was sacked three or four times, I think. And he looked like a guy that like, you know, he's played more playoff games than Heineke's played probably football games. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's the thing True. is it, it just, it looked Tampa wasn't phased by the moment, but that's going to come from having Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. But, um, you know, Washington, they, they played a pretty solid game. Um, they're definitely, I mean, in the NFC East, they could run this division now for the next 10 years with that defense, especially if they got a quarterback that shows up. Um, they were doing all the right things too, to beat, to beat a quarterback like Tom Brady, you know, Duran Payne had two sacks right up the gut. You know, that's, you, you want to get pressure up the middle when you're yep. playing a quarterback like that. But I mean, Tom Brady's the type of guy he's going to go through something like that on phase. And I mean, he still went off for just shy of 400 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he got one to what was it, Antonio Brown, and the other one was to Godwin. And then it, what's wild here is you're looking at these stats Antonio Brown's got a touchdown in 50 yards, Godwin's got a touchdown in 80 yards. Cameron Brait, the backup tight end,'s got 80 yards. Then you got Mike Evans, who goes off for 120. And then on top of it all, Ron, Rob Gronkowski didn't catch the ball, he had one target. And I was watching Seth, it's past your bedtime. I know exactly I was, that play. I was, you're talking about all these breakdowns, right? When yep. 
Rob Gronkowski's on an island with um, Chase Young. Chase Young. And he just runs him around the corner. And it's just like, that's the thing is Tampa's really got it where it's like they've got high-end athletes that can get them through one postseason and get them a ring. They really do. And, I mean, Gronk's – they got a lot of players on this team. Like, none of these guys have, like, real egos like that. And, I mean, when you got Tom Brady, he's going to – Tom Brady and Bruce Arians are going to keep anybody in check. And that's why we haven't really heard anything about Antonio Brown. You know what I mean? And as long as, you know, Fournette, 91 yards and a touchdown, you know, what happened is uh, the other running back on Tampa. He must be hurt. Yeah, yeah, I think he was out. He, he has been, yeah. I don't know okay. how healthy he really is, but Fournette looked pretty solid. Fournette looked pretty good. The thing about it yeah. is if Jones comes back, it's just that much more dangerous moving forward. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, they weren't playing no star quarterback, but the defense looked pretty solid. You know, it didn't look terrible. I don't know. Tampa is one of those teams where you got to worry about them because Tampa could go off and drop a 50-burger on anybody. You know what I mean? But then at the same point in time, they could – squeak out 20 points and lose it's just against they're the such team, a team yeah yeah they're such a weird team so there, there's not really much to say about this game other than tampa's very much win right now and washington's built really well to run the nfc east for like five ten years yeah 100 you know? percent. yeah i mean it was it was just going into this game it was like it was the defensive line can they get to tom brady and alter the game uh but that's just what what good offensive play callers do, though, is they don't let it, like, get to it too consistently. Like, yeah, they got yeah. their sacks. Uh, they weren't really phasing Tom Brady in a sense because they they just drew up these plays where Mike Evans was getting these balls on curls and slants and outs, and it was just these really quick pass plays, and they're having a lot of success with it. And, uh, and I mean, Buccaneers' offensive line is really goddamn good, too. Yeah. So, I mean, they were able to handle it. Plus, Gronk is like – that's all he does right now is block. Like you said, he got yeah. one – all he does yeah. is block. He's a good blocker. That's crazy. He's a very good blocker. He's a very good blocker. And it's like, that's the thing is, I mean, if the t- they got th- two solid tight ends and three tight ends that can play, and it's like Mike Evans can run after the catch. Godwin can run after the catch. Antonio Brown can obviously run after the catch. And then it's like when Jones gets back, you can throw him the ball and he can run after the catch. They got a really dangerous offense. And like you said, Owen, they got a really good offensive line. And it's like you got Drown Payne with two sacks, Montez Sweat with one sack. When you're not phasing, like you said, the offensive coordinator, and then they use play calls against you to get the ball out quickly, and Washington's secondary is pretty good. It's just scary moving forward, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The the one thing about Washington's defense I think that hurt them is they don't have, like, an elite secondary to make up for when that pass rush isn't getting there on a consistent yeah. basis. And that, it's that just kind good. Of, yeah. It, that showed on Sunday when Brady was able to pick apart that defense because pressure wasn't consistent or Brady wasn't really bothered by it. That's kind of how that defense has survived all year. It's getting pressure. And it, it kind of showed on Sunday or well, Saturday, actually, that uh, that when they don't do that, they, they can't stay in games consistently. So that to me, I, I think if you're Washington, I think that's the biggest thing that you go after, I think this offseason is bolstering that secondary to go along with that dominant front line. All right, let's move on to Sunday. Super Wild Sunday. 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 Wasn't right. it just great having two uh, triple headers two days in a row? Like, it no, just, I, you know, it, it was definitely super. I'll tell you that. No, I enjoyed super it. Duper. It was super duper. I almost wish it was super <laughs> duper divisional weekend. 
Hey, oh. <laughs> Say that five times fast. <laughs> no, thank you. All right. I'll first all game. Right. Anyways, first game was Baltimore, Tennessee. And, uh, you know, Derrick Henry, I think, forgot to show up for the game because he didn't really you know, do that much. Seth, that's a really good point. I thought starting the game, the two biggest flops was Derrick Henry and Lamar Jackson. At the start of the game, I was like, Derrick Henry doesn't want to run the damn ball and Lamar Jackson's yeah. throwing the ball away. Because Lamar Jackson, when I texted you guys and Owen when you said that duck, I was just like, this game's going to suck. And it's yeah. like, yeah. Tennessee's defense isn't even good. And they were like locking up the uh, Baltimore offense. And it's like, Derrick Henry did not show up the whole game. The whole game he didn't. But the thing about it is, I mean, Baltimore's defense is that good to be able to take one player out of the game. And then Tannehill wasn't enough to save him, which normally during the season he has been. And then, I mean, Baltimore's definitely going to be able to win games like this where it's, you know, 2013. They're going to be able to win low-scoring games like this. And then Lamar finally got back to doing Lamar things in running the ball. Finally. Finally. You know, I think I called that last week. I think I called it. This I did say this was going to be the blowout game, and it didn't quite happen. But I did say Baltimore's defense is primed to shut Henry down, and they did that. Yep. That that's all you need to do really to beat Tennessee is shut Henry down and force Tannehill to beat you. Which, like you just said, most often this season, you know, he did that more often than not. But for him to do it in a primetime game, couldn't do it again. A lot more faith in him than I had a lot more faith in him and those receivers than they showed to really be able to do. And right. that goes to Baltimore's defense, who is yeah, it does. I mean, you said you said all it takes is for is to stop Derrick Henry. I mean, Baltimore's defense is about the only defense that is really that well equipped to do it. Maybe Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, Baltimore has three, four, five big uglies at the big line. Who are yep. just mean, nasty stunzas, and they're they're stopping anything they can they can get. And then even then, they got those linebackers in the second row. Patrick I Queen's was been a say. defensive rookie yep. of the year candidate. Uh, Packers did pass on him. I'm not going to be too salty about it. But th- I, th- I think were, we took a quarterback instead. Uh, I'm good not pick. sure what you're talking about, good, Seth. Uh, good pick. We're moving on. We're thinking about Saturday. Uh, but they move those linebackers up to play the line even more. And the only reason they can do that is because Baltimore's secondary is just full of players. Marlon, it, really, Humphrey, it is, it is Jimmy Smith, uh, Marcus Peters, who made an impact in this game. I mean, AJ Brown, age Jimmy Smith, too. And he's uh, is he playing a little safety? Is that what I was watching? He, he's yeah, he's kind of like a hybrid safety type where he comes down, yeah. He, but, I mean, he fits that – the defense is just so well built. But, Owen, I think, like you said, I think the most important part of it is they've got these big, ugly, these legit 300-pound guys Whoa. on the line. And then they've got Scary. four or five, you know, 250-pound linebackers that can all run. You know, Judon yeah. and these guys, Matthew those Judon, guys yeah. can run the field, yeah. And then you got Yannick. Chuck Clark. Yeah. Yep, Yannick. You got Chuck Clark, great safety. It's just like they've got dudes all over the field – that defense is built perfectly for the scheme that they run. It really is. I think um, this next week will be really telling because it'll be a completely different type of game for them. It's not a power, a power run that they have to stop. It's a mobile quarterback and a, yep. like a schoolyard bullshit type of quarterback in Josh Allen right now. And I think this is going to have to be an Ngakwe game. 
he didn't he wasn't really like called upon to do a ton against the Titans because everything was up the middle and stopping up the middle and then keeping everything covered. But this is where you have to keep a guy like this contained. And if they make it to the AFC championship, you have to take Patrick Mahomes. You have to stuff him, just keep him back in the pocket and can't extend those plays. So this will be a big uh, Matthew Judon, Yannick and Gakwe game against Buffalo. I'm excited. To your, to your point, what you just said right there, Owen, I think those, I think they're built to shut down Allen's, you know, backyard bullshit like that. Yeah. But I think where, where Allen is a real big threat to them is the one weakness on Baltimore's defense that I would say is since they lost – and I already forgot his name. Um, they have no true, like, center fielder at safety. And Josh Allen's got the arm to just beat you deep. And none of these cornerbacks are real, like – you know, not, not many of them could really run with Stephon Diggs, like flat just one-on-one. But, I mean, if, that's where Josh Allen is going to be the threat to them is just throwing the ball deep. Because they've almost got to run too high most of the game. You can't just stack the box. No, it's going to be not against Allen. You can't. No, it's just going to be it's going to be Allen's deep threat arm with Diggs and I mean John Brown and those guys. I mean they got guys that can run. And then it's going to be if Buffalo's running game shows up, and then how Baltimore plays that on defense. But I mean to kind of flip it real quick, I mean once Lamar got into his own game against Tennessee and he actually started running the dang ball, like he actually got back to what Lamar does best: run the ball to set up your passing game. And if Lamar does that against the Buffalo defense, and then if they're running it with Gus Edwards and all these running backs that they got, you know, and they're just him and Dobbins, if they're just chunking it up and controlling the clock, this game could be really interesting, you know? Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll save that. All right. We'll save that game later on. We'll come back to this. Fair enough, fair I, I want to come back to Tennessee though. Cause we're kind of, we're, we're starting a theme here talking about these losing teams and what, what they should do in the off season. What, I mean, obviously defense for Tennessee, but what else do they do? I mean, it seems like they have a, a pretty complete offense. I think really the only major question mark is probably Tannehill, but I think he, he, he's a line, pretty solid line. Yeah. Yeah. Big yeah. time online. Yes. I agree with that. I, I mean, that's, you said it, you said it, Seth, what do you do? It is just defense. You just do defense. You just healthy people. And, and, up. It, and it's weird to say because they have a defensive coach and it's defense. A, they're, lots of injuries, like, though. Clowney and all those guys. Lots of yeah, injuries. yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, I don't know if Clown is playing this weekend, but. Oh, he's not? <laughs> not that I know of. It's almost like he's been out for the year. Uh, the other thing with like defensive head coaches is like a lot of the times they just end up being head coaches and they still, they're, they're not like. They're defensive focused, of course, but they're not. It, that doesn't translate as well to as like a you have a great offensive mind ahead coach. Of course, he's running the offense. Like it's a little bit different in that sense. I think it's a different uh, effect. But I mean, it just the Titans just look like a team that kind of stalled out. They kind of hit their ceiling. They kind of hit their peak in, in their current structure. So I'd be interested to see what they do because I don't think they're going to be wanting to give up anything that they have. I think they still believe in themselves and of course, why wouldn't you? But I mean, just like when you, when you put all your eggs into the Derrick Henry basket like that, I just, uh, yeah, we kind of see how far it went. Crazy, uh, crazy question. It, it, it probably crazy, but it, it just popped in my head because he didn't play great. I mean, is Tannehill still the answer at quarterback? Do you, do you question, bringing in a younger guy, maybe not like completely replacing him, but 
maybe drafting a guy early, bringing in uh, another young guy to compete Seth, with that. To your point there, I think because I get what you're going with because Tannehill is not like flashy. He's just got like he'll have like these big games, but they're not flashy big games. You know what I mean? He's not like Mahomes or Josh Allen where he's got this huge arm or anything like that. But I I would almost be concerned about how you just said all your eggs in the Derrick Henry basket. I would be more concerned about Derrick Henry just falling off a freaking cliff than that quarterback. Personally, I think I would go get a quarterback. I wouldn't draft a quarterback early, but I'd get somebody to groom behind Tannehill. But you've got to get something just in case if, that, if Derrick Henry falls off a cliff. Because the way he's getting utilized and the way he just did not show up in this game, I'm not saying it's that big of a cliff where it's uh, all sudden in the playoffs he's just nothing. But I'd be more concerned about a running back getting just worn out because he's an Alabama guy. Not that he was used a ton at Alabama because he was only like a, what, a year or two starter. But he's an Alabama back, so that means he got burnt out with basically a year in the pros every year. And it's like his first couple of years in the NFL was DeMarco Murray and stuff like that. But his utilization these last two years has been like heavy, heavy. I'd be more concerned huge, about Henry huge. than Tan- I'd be I'd be much more concerned about him than Tannehill because they're like you said, all their eggs are in that Derrick Henry basket. Tannehill and I mean quarterbacks play forever anymore. And it's like he's got really good. He's got two really good receivers in AJ Brown and uh, Corey Davis. I would go get a guy to groom behind Tannehill, but I mean I would get another running back. And I mean as much as running backs are a dime a dozen, you could get a guy in the fourth round that's good. I would get a running back that fits what you do with Derrick Henry. I would go get like what you guys have in Dylan. I would go get somebody like that in the first couple of rounds, not first two, but probably like he might be the next Derrick Henry. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's a good comparison, huh? Yeah, I would, I would go get like a thumper like that that fits the scheme. You know what I mean? Just to be safe, because I would be a lot more concerned about Derrick Henry falling off a cliff than Tannehill. I do get what you're saying, though. I think I would get somebody to groom because I wouldn't be as worried about Tannehill as I am about like Rivers or like. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It's just. You, you know what you're getting with Tannehill. And, and it's also hard because not every team's going to have a Mahomes, going to have an Allen, going to have a Rodgers. So it's, there's not it's, even one of those in every other draft. You know I mean? There's one of those exactly. every five, 10 years. So it's know? hard. So it's hard to just go out and get the next, the next big thing because. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're completely right, but I, but I see your point. Like, I mean, Tannehill, like you said, you know what you have with Tannehill. But maybe there's not Mahomes or maybe there's not Josh Allen, but there's still like, you know, Deshaun Watson's out there. There's still Kyler Murray's out there. Maybe you're not picking first overall, but you still kind of want to take a chance and have a guy that's going to get better where you know Tannehill is just going to be that steady guy in this but current time out. attack. Every, court, every quarterback you just listed is first-round picks. I wouldn't I wouldn't spend a first-round pick on a quarterback. If I was I'm, not, no, I'm not saying that, that they should, and they're definitely not going to, but – it's probably going to take until Derrick Henry starts breaking down when they realize, okay, it's like, this is still the NFL passing league. We need to go get a quarterback. And this probably will be two years from now. Derrick Henry will be aging. I think he'll still be starting. He'll still be playing. He'll still be ha- having his moments, but they're going to start realizing that at that point, after the defense is, has been invested in, in these next two years, that they're going to need a quarterback and hopefully they can get an aging Derrick Henry, a Super Bowl. He's only, I was going to say, he's only 27. I mean, that's not – running backs aren't considered old until they hit 30. And, I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if Derrick Henry turns into, like, this Adrian Peterson type or whatever that has this mm-hmm. longevity. That'll be really interesting to see. So, you're, you're telling I, me that time's ticking for Tennessee. Time right? is, it's, uh, if you're looking they, to the future like they need to, 
then yeah, yeah I mean, you got to play carefully here. I, I definitely would be because they're, they're built so funny. Like they're not built like a winning team in the NFL right now. No defense, realistically, especially with a defensive coach, like you said. You've got a quarterback that's like, what is he? You know, is he good or is he not that good? And then it's like you're, you're run heavy in a pass heavy league. And it's like your running back, running backs can fall off a cliff. That, that would be my concern. Is if, and if your running back falls off a cliff, is your offense as bad as your defense at that point? And you got two great, great receivers. I think Corey Davis is up at the end of the year here. I think they got to resign him. Yeah, I don't do. think they picked up. I don't think they picked up his fifth year option. But um, they've got line, that one. They got. I was gonna say they got two issues there. They got offensive line issues and defense issues, and that's not good when you're built on a running back. Yeah, it. A lot of question for a team that was, has been so good the last two years. I think a lot of question marks going into the offseason. For sure, they draft. They draft pretty good, though. So I would, I would probably have high hopes. It's not like they draft perfect or anything like that, but they draft pretty good. So I, I could see them not so much like flipping it around and immediately being like, "Oh my God, they're a Super Bowl contender next year." But they'll they'll build on what they need. I mean, drafting defenders, it's defenders and offensive line. That's what you should be drafting in the first round, yeah. in my opinion. Yes, I agree. All right, let's move on to, in my opinion, the most boring game of the weekend. Probably everybody's opinion, but Chicago and New Orleans. New Chicago Orleans, Bears. They did it again. They did it again. We we loved it, but that's all right. The uh, New Orleans won 21 to 9. Bears didn't have an offense as pretty much everybody expected. Can uh, I just chime in real quick and say that uh, I am very sad to say that David Montgomery did nothing this game. Maybe Owen was right after all, you know. Well, I mean, maybe I was right, or maybe one game's an anomaly, you know, whatever, whatever you want. Thank you. You know what, Owen? I like that answer out of you. I thought you were going to rub my face in it, but it's not an answer. answer. It's a possibility. I'm letting you have the the ambiguity that is the ending of the Bears season, and when we come back next year, September, uh, let's say the end of September, I'm gonna I'm gonna be sitting here and be like, Jeremy, David Montgomery, not that good. I told you. If if David Montgomery is not looking good next year, it's simply because Nagy's a crappy coach and they have no quarterback. Now, I wouldn't blame you for saying that because that's completely possible. And it's probably going to be the same thing as next year because it could, it could be. It could be. Nagy's back. They already they just announced it. I think I think it was today, either today or yesterday, but they announced that Nagy and Pace, the GM, are going to be returning next year. You know, and probably Trubisky what, as well. Yeah, and that's the thing, dude. That's like this game really showed like the Bears have a good defense. They don't have a great defense, but they've got great players on a good defense. And like the Saints have a good offense. They realistically have one great player in Elvin Kamara, and they just totally outplayed the Bears defense. Like it wasn't really – this game, like you said, Seth, was not interesting um, at all. And, like, I mean, I think Khalil Mack was really the only guy that showed. Now, if we want to talk about somebody's career being wasted, Khalil Mack's career is being wasted. That guy's one of the best defenders in the NFL, and he's playing for the Chicago Bears, and they suck. Two below-average like, teams, really. Yep. Yeah, and it's just like, man, like, that guy, he would almost be better suited in a situation where he's the only good defender on, like, an okay defense with a really good offense – it's just too bad to see players like that just waste a career in a sense. Because this come down to coaching, I think. 
like, yeah, Trubisky's not the best thing in the world. In the world, the Bears' offense look like crap. But like, it's not like Drew Brees really did anything astronomical. Yeah. I mean, a- Alvin Kamara had like an above average game. I mean, he didn't like go off. He was a yard shy of a of a hundred. He had a touchdown, but this game was boring. You know, the stats, the stat really line was even boring. It really was. Yeah. There's it's nothing. Just, there's nothing that stands out in this game. Really wasn't right. to me. I, my my only question is I've kind of been questioning all of these teams is if you're the Bears. I mean, I think the the question is probably an obvious yes for pretty much everybody outside. But I mean, if you're the Bears and you're pay or you're Nagy, I mean, do you really bring Trubisky back in? Obviously, Foles probably isn't coming back, but. Well, I think he's got a year, right? He's got a year left. They signed Does he? Two years. Yeah, I, I was going to so. say, I I think you bring Trubisky back just because of age and probably contract, but I'm definitely going after a quarterback. Oh, Wouldn't I mean, hilarious. I meant Nick Foles. I, Nick Foles, I think he's got a year left, right? I think oh, he, yeah, possibly. I think he's you wonder if he's a contract. guy they would cut, I guess, is my, is my Maybe if it, if, if it helped the cap room at all, then yeah, probably. I mean, trade him uh, back to Philly. Who cares? <laughs> Philly certainly doesn't. They're best Shoot, trade them, trade them both to Philly. Just flip <laughs> quarterbacks. Just send Fools and uh, Trubisky to eat the Philly to for Hurts and Wentz. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, right, right. That'd be what the perfect joke. trade for this podcast to discuss. No, I think I don't want to talk about that. You talked about Tannehill and the Titans. This is like an even more advanced form of this, where I mean, it's pretty clear you have to move on from Trubisky, and they're still not going to. And they don't even have a Derrick Henry to, like, say, hey, no, see, we're still doing good. We're still one of the top offenses. No, they don't have anything like that. They need everything on offense to be revamped. And they have a play caller. They have a good, proven play caller to do it. And uh, there's something – excuse me. Uh, there's something between head coach Matt Nagy, GM Ryan Pace, and maybe the ownership where there's, like, this disconnect uh, that – they just can't move on. They just can't. They just can't get rid of Trubisky. Uh, it's so disappointing to see, to be honest. I mean, not for a Packers fan, of course. We love him, but <laughs> do you see the Bears? Is it in the realm of possibility that they move up into the top ten to take a quarterback again? They give up all. They give up all this draft capital. Maybe they even give up Trubisky. I don't know to get. A top ten quarterback who, again. Who do you who do you move up and get? I don't. I I guess. I mean, Mac well, Jones. Yeah, Mac Jones. You, you go, go up to get Mac Jones. Hey, maybe maybe Trey Lance. Maybe Trey Lance or a guy like um, Zach Wilson. You know, maybe a top. Both of those guys you can maybe see top ten. I mean, Lawrence is going number one. Fields is probably going well, maybe two. I don't know. We'll see. But hey. Fields might go number one now that Urban's in, in Jacksonville. Like, I wouldn't – that's one thing that I, I – like, that might not be safe anymore. The Jets the Jets might lock themselves into Lawrence at two. That would be they, hilarious. They know what they're doing. It's a master master plan by the Jets, by Adam I mean, Gase. Well, not Adam Gase. Not anymore, Adam but. Gase, yeah. Maybe – I mean, maybe you're right, but I think I've heard way too many Fox broadcasts with Urban just speaking colors about Trevor Lawrence. Like, How do you he's, know? He's How do you know? He's in love with the dude, even more than most people on TV are. So I still see see that as a lock at, at its current state. But there's still probably five quarterbacks going in the first round of the draft. So you can oh, easily, I think easily five, and and maybe five six will go Mac. in. 
I was yeah. going to say five will go, five or six will go, and one or two of them. One will be high level, one will be average, and the rest won't pan out. That, I mean, be- you're probably right. But, I mean, going to the Bears, I mean, they, they have a, a mid-round draft pick at its current state. I just see, like, they could, they could take a chance on one of those guys, and maybe you should. But at the same time, like you have so many spots on the offense, like offensive line, like I'm. That's it is pretty bad. It is bad. Position. And you're probably going to lose Allen Robinson to free agency, unless you really, really give him some money. So I mean, you really focus everything you can onto that offense. If you can get Stafford or, or I mean, even yep. I, mean, I mean, this is going to be weird, but Derek Carr. I mean, just give him something like that would that would be Sam much Darnold maybe. I don't. I mean. I, I think it, it starts at quarterback, and I think no matter – even if you surround Trubisky with, like, Mahomes-level talent like he has, I don't – I still don't think that offense would be that much better. Obviously, be a little better because you're giving him more talent. But I think Trubisky holds back that offense so much that uh, that's the – that's to me, that's your number one goal is to move on from him however that happens. If you have Casey level talent on your offense, it it would be clear that Trubisky is the problem. He'd be so much of the problem. But just because the offense is so bad, you're not Trubisky's sometimes the bright side. He's always he's always sometimes the only playmaker. You know, I was just gonna say that one. I was just gonna say it because there was that game like middle of the season where Trubisky comes in for fulls and he breaks off two big runs and then he throws a touchdown. And it was like, oh God, he's he's the one thing moving the offense. But it's just like the Bears offense is bad for like too many reasons because it's like the offensive line isn't great you have only Allen robinson and david montgomery and it's like your quarterbacks suck and then the play Mm -hmm. calling is like the play calling is questionable a lot honestly and it it comes down this offense like i guess if like moving forward to the bears i think i would draft offensive line and just pure offensive skill positions and i would try to go get a a veteran quarterback if i am getting a young if if you get a young quarterback you're almost it's like a death sentence because the, my, my thought with the Bears is like, if you go get a veteran quarterback, you could you could see your way back into the playoffs next year. Other than yeah, 100%, that, 100%. There's you, 100%. Yeah, 100%. But the thing about the playoffs is usually like half the teams don't make it the following year. It, the Bears are probably one of those teams. That would be where my mind is like, the Bears don't make it back next year. You know, it'll be the Vikings next year instead. You know, I mean, if it's pretty much the same roster going into next year, yeah, if it's, definitely. Yeah, I mean, if especially if they lose Allen Robinson as well. I, that yeah. offense is nothing then. Yeah, no more again, David Montgomery. That's in my eyes, like you don't spend any draft capital on anything. You keep all the draft capital you can. You maybe trade back in the, in the draft just to amass more like chances at having good players on your offense. But uh, I mean, they're just in a complete opposite position that Washington is in, where they could yep. spend two or two draft picks on a, uh, a veteran quarterback like Darnold, and they'd be in a great spot. But I mean, the Bears, if they got, I, to me, if they got, if they got like a Darnold like that and their offense was, look, looks like what it is, it's like nothing's changing for me. Maybe they get a wild card spot. But. You know, so uh, to take this back to the Saints, because it just got me thinking like, the Saints are funny too, because like the Saints didn't really have to show up this week to beat the Bears because the Bears kind of beat themselves. And they didn't the Saints really. Don't, no, they didn't. And the thing is like, if the Saints don't show up next week against the Bucs, they might get killed. Like it might be 50 to 15. It might be a terrible game. And uh, the, the breeze is showing the age a lot more than Tom Brady. I think like hundred percent. Oh, 
Yeah. The better coaching, the better coaching and play caller is in New New Orleans, hundred percent, no doubt about it. But Tom Brady does not look like a forty year old quarterback, and Drew Brees looks like he should have retired a year ago, in my opinion. Maybe. Drew Brees is getting schemed into these plays. Tom Brady's still making these plays. You know, he's making plays in spite of the play call sometimes. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah sometimes. And it's like you got Elvin Kamara for, for big play threats and. In New Orleans, the big play threats are Elvin Kamara and the backup quarterback. That's the big play threats. <laughs> You're right. That's like the truth. That's the truth. And then it's like the big play threats in Tampa Bay is everybody on the offense. You know, did did Michael Thomas do anything in this game? I haven't. Michael I Thomas went five for seventy three with a touchdown and a touchdown. I'm I guess sure he didn't get the touchdown. Slant. That's right. Yeah, it probably <laughs> came on a slant. Good. You know, I, I was you know as I was just looking at the stats here. If there was one other big play threat, it's probably Jared Cook, who's, you know, ancient at this point, but the dude can still run. But, I mean, outside of that, you know, Michael Thomas, that dude's not going to break off some 70-yard touchdown, you know. Um, Latavius was, Murray, he's not going to do it. It's 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 the Kamara show, you know. It, it really – you kind of beat me to it, Jeremy, when I was about to comment on the Saints. And you really as – as a Saints fan or, like, as that offense, you really got to hope that Kamara balls out. Otherwise, you don't have a chance. Yep. You really don't. You got to get exactly right. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm looking at this. Kamara only had two catches against uh, Chicago. If he, if, if Kamara leaves the game against Tampa with two catches, 100% they lose. Oh, yeah. I think Kamara's, Kamara's going to have to leave the game in Tampa with 30 plus touches, like 20 on the ground and 10 in the air. Like 100%. He's got to. New Orleans was lucky to pay Chicago because. They didn't look all that impressive either, which led to, as we already said, to a very boring and kind of like not a playoff feel like game. Kind of felt like a week 17 game where it was just kind of like, let's just get this over with and move on. If New Orleans would have played, if they would have played LA or Seattle, they might have lost in the first round. Oh, I would have picked them to lose. They They probably would have showed up a little bit better and more prepared to play because it wasn't the bears, <laughs> but in a sense, I think he, I mean, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. They, they definitely have to play better next week if they want any shot against Tampa, because I, I honestly, yeah, I, I was not to interrupt yourself. I think if, if they come out of next week and if Elvin Kamara doesn't have 30 plus touches and 150 plus yards, and if that defense doesn't get like three turnovers off Tom, I think they lose that game. No doubt. Like they're really going to have to show up. They're and I think next week is as far as they go. If they if they run into the bus saw that is you guys or they just they got no chance against anybody else. I don't think. Especially, I think if Drew Brees has to go to Green Bay and play in yeah. the elements in the weather and the cold. Yep. I mean, they might be better off starting Taysom. But yeah, it would have to a, be. They played you guys early, early in the season, right? We played second, and we played in New Orleans, beginning. and we played in New Orleans. Yep. So Kamara had a big game against you guys because you guys Huge still did game. not tackle. Yeah, you guys Huge still game. didn't have to tackle at that point. Kamara is going to have to run them through the playoffs if they want to do anything. Nope. Yep. All right, let's move on to the Sunday night game. Jeremy's the game of the favorite, week. Jeremy's favorite game. He's been waiting for this all year. Finally happened. Big Ben loses. Cleveland um, wins. Do you First guys want to tell me winning. that I'm right in the fact that the Steelers were the worst 11 and 0 team in in NFL history? What? Who wants to say it first? Seth, do you want to go first or Owen? Do you who, want? Who wants to go? I'm going to do it with an asterisk, so it's up to you what you want from me because I have a lot of thoughts on the Steelers. 
they came out embarrassing in the first quarter. <laughs> I think, I think embarrassing is a nice word for it. I mean, very first play. Uh, okay, here here is a little breakdown on that first play, right? Uh, so they have they've had one good offensive lineman all year, and it was a rookie, Kevin Dotson, got left guard. They started a different, like a returning veteran over him in this game. It was Mike Filer, I think was his name. So Marquise Pouncey was the center. He snapped it over Ben's head in the first play. He's, you can tell, like, as I was watching that play, I was like, what the hell? He's, like, running away, like, so fast from that play. I thought he was, like, pulling. Like, he was, like, really worried about pulling. No, he was reaching over to help that left guard that they knew would need help. And it was just all downhill from there. I mean, Pittsburgh's offensive line has been atrocious. Uh, it reminded me of that Super Bowl where that happened to Peyton in Denver. Yes. And yeah, then it was, was like just all – it was – yeah, it was all downhill from there where it just didn't come come back together. And, you know, when you look at the stat lines, if if we would have, like, had the the foresight to go, hey, Ben's going to throw for 500 yards and four touchdowns, I would have been, like, Steelers one hands down. But it's like, hey, he also threw four picks, and they ran for 50 yards. Yeah. <laughs> you I know, mean, like the, – the rushing, the rushing numbers don't surprise me because that's pretty much what it's been all year. Yeah. But it's just – the turnovers and just how sloppy and just really kind of pathetic almost how they started that game. It's, you know, Seth, to what you just said, no run game, sloppy, sloppy team and turnovers. This is not your dad's Pittsburgh Steelers. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) this is not, this is not what we're used to. Like when in the early two thousands and everything before that, the Steelers were run heavy clean game didn't turn it over they they didn't hurt themselves they controlled the clock and played defense they don't do any of that anymore they literally don't do any of that i mean you got you've got three guys with 10 plus targets on on the receivers you've got i mean and it all came in the second half let's be honest and then you got ben throwing the ball 68 times you only ran it 16 times and you were averaging like i mean it's it's terrible yeah i mean i I get why only running 16 times because when you're down 28 to nothing in the first quarter, you, you kind of have no choice but to kind of stuck. Yeah. To, yeah. I mean, you not like to. completely abandon the run, but, but their, their rushing game has been so ineffective all year. You kind of, yep. you don't have a choice anyway. I mean, that was probably in the game that. plan. Yeah. You're probably right. That was probably in the game plan anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, James Conner ain't doing anything for you. He's showing that. 11 for 37, 3.4 yards of carry. He did get that one touchdown, that short yards one. But it's just like the Steelers, Big Ben's probably going to be done. He'll probably retire. It, it sounded like it after the game where he was sitting on there and then his comments that he made, it really sounded like he was probably – I seen the – there was the little clip where he's talking to Pouncey and he made the comment that he wanted it more for Pouncey and guys like him than for himself. I, I mean, just, it, it sounds like he's done, you know? I – I really don't think as as accomplished as his career has been and as good as he's been in this league, to me, I would be surprised if he goes out like this because if I was a quarterback, if I was any player, especially a Hall of Famer, this is not how I would want my last game to be remembered. It's, I, yeah. it's, it's, I, I just, mean, it, it's embarrassing. That's your, talk. That's your guy, your t- Big Ben. I, it is. I, I, you know, and here, here's Love the me thing. some Big Ben. Seth is going to take some bias into this. Now, Seth, when you say that, you're talking about the Drew Breeses, the Tom Brady's, the Peyton Manning's. 
the guys like that that have like this persona of being winners, great personalities, leaders, locker room, you know, big guys like that. Big Ben has had a lot of stuff in his career where it's like, okay, maybe this guy is kind of a, a dirtbag. You know, there was the rape allegations early. There's all the stuff with the addictions this last offseason. It's like, I don't think he's that guy that will go out and give a shit. <laughs> if anything, it'll be like, hey, I went out throwing 500 yards and four touchdowns. You know, <laughs> that's what he'll go that's out saying. I, I really think Big Ben retires. I think it's way more likely that he retires than Rivers retires. And the thing about it is, I think, I don't think ben, ben, Big Ben's got a lot left in the tank. I really don't. I think he's just throwing to really good run after catch and route runner guys. But I think the Steelers would be better off if Big Ben retired. They went and get, got a quarterback in the first round, and then they just surrounded him with an offensive line and passing game. Because the defense is pretty good. You've got a lot of people to throw the ball to. Now, who stays or who you got to move to get pick up more picks is another question. I think Juju's done. Juju seems like he's probably a head case at this point. Um, but, I mean, the Steelers got to rebuild that entire offense. And they fired their offensive coordinator, too. Yes, which is the right – the absolute right move. You know, like good, good luck to him and his future endeavors. But you need a, a, a new play calling mind. You know, maybe uh, or you could go you know, like the, the Doug Peterson offensive coordinator route. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, I'm going to well, come back Doug to Big Peterson Ben was here. Very quick. Pass happy in Philly. <laughs> I, I, I think Big Ben. Here's the reason why I think Ben stays for one more year. He's got one year left on his contract next year is his last year in his contract and then his contract's done. So he might come back and say, you know, next year's my last year. I got, I got one year left on the deal. We'll give it one more ride. And then that's it. I, that's I right. can see that. He, he, had been that? Saying, he had been saying this year that he, he would want to play out his contract. That's it. That was kind of his, like his plan. And then after the game, he did make a comment that he did, He doesn't think the Steelers want him back, but he said, if the Steelers would want me back, I would play. He said something to that effect. If and, you're the Steelers, and, do you want him back? Well, here's the thing is like it, it, the, the biggest blame has to be in the play calling, basically from week four on after those. We kind of it, talked about that pretty much the second half of the year. About Basically, you're right. We're, we're, we're regurgitating that take. No, I'm just like, you know, emphasizing your point. That. You're and you're right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so the the problem lies is they have an aging offensive line that has been good for a long time. But Pouncey, uh, the he didn't say it yet, but the reports are confirming that he's uh, retiring this year. Uh, they got a couple other that were good: uh, Villanueva on the left tackle, DeCastro on the right guard. You got to get rid of these guys. Let's start fresh. Get some new offensive linemen. That was a big problem this year. The receivers are fine. Even if Juju's gone, you still got three like starting caliber yeah. receivers in Washington, Johnson, and Claypool, who's going to be a stud. I think. Oh, you know, yeah, you still 100%. got that shot. You just get. I mean, you. I don't. I don't think. I don't think this is the year to trade draft capital away for a quarterback. If you want to draft a quarterback in in the draft, you can. You're allowed that because you have the defense is so goddamn solid. You just go offensive line and get a good running back. And I think you're right back in the playoffs. I, I don't think that's too far of a stretch of an imagination. You just get a play calling mind, offensive lineman, running back. Let's just let's just work hard so, in training camp. You're in. I got one more thing to say on the Steelers. Two, two really. Whether Ben retires or not, I think you got to let him go. I think he, you got to move on because I get it where the play calling looked like crap. 
but Ben didn't help it. Like, all you really could do was pass, and Ben looked extremely limited at times. He got the ball all quick and read, read the defense really quick, but he didn't have the arm strength to get the ball on the field. And that was the one thing I noticed when, when Mason Rudolph would come, come in. He seemed like he had the arm strength to get the ball downfield. Now, that brings me to my next point of who I think, and I don't want to get into offseason talk too soon, but who I think is the perfect quarterback for that situation. Matt Stafford. Bring him in. You got arm for days. You've got a guy that can throw the ball all over the field. He can make every throw. And then you, you put him back with Eric Ebron, who he's familiar with. you got a big threat like Chase Claypool, who's like a Megatron. Could you imagine that offense with Matt Stafford? I mean, they did call they did call uh, Claypool is Canadian. They did call him Mapletron because the of Mapletron. Similar. Exactly. Man, <laughs> I'm telling you, if you bring in Matt Stafford, he's already used to playing with teams that have no good running backs. So he's ideal. And then it's like you surrounded with, with threats that he's used to. You go get a running back in an offensive line in front of him. I think that's an I- ideal scenario. I let Ben walk. I think I'm just like, hey, you're just as bad as the offensive coordinator, in my opinion. Bring in a quarterback that's got some years left in the tank and build an offensive line in a running game in front of him. You got something real there. You know, Jeremy, just 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 hold on a little bit. All right. Just slow down because I think <laughs> I think you're putting too much blame on Ben again, of course. Who who else do you put it on, though? The, the offensive coordinator is who else is to blame. As Owen said before, offensive coordinator, a, a, a poor yep. offensive line, and no running game. Absolutely zero. Probably the worst running game in the whole in the whole league. I Definitely, mean, just yeah. pretty much. Definitely is. Definitely is. I mean, what do you expect, really? What do you expect when you have your quarterback throw 68 times in a game? I mean, four picks really isn't that bad. I think maybe you feel like the percentages, but – I, you got to get a new, just, I, he's not your number one issue. Now he's not an elite quarterback anymore. He's definitely probably just an average quarterback, but if you surround him with some good talent and you can just, you know, maybe buff that defense up a little bit, they're easily can be a level. Here's, here's why I don't, he's going to be 39 years old next year. He looks like one of the older quarterbacks in the NFL. He missed all of last season with injury. I'm not, I'm not tying my win now roster to that type of quarterback. That defense want, isn't old. I mean, that's fair. The thing about Stafford is you're going to have to spend draft capital to get him. Uh, in that draft, I'd spend it. I'm I'd, just saying. I'd send Juju that way real fast. I'd send my, Juju to him. In yeah, the that's true. You get, you get, if you trade Juju, you're expecting something back for him. And maybe you can trade him to the Lions. Maybe that works out. Maybe that would work out great. But just in my head, it's like, it'd be so easy to just go, just go sign whoever Shanahan or McVay have like as their assistant play call just go sign them have them just give them a shot what's I mean what's what's the issue it's not going to be as as bad as it was this year and then you you say you sign you maybe not sign a running back maybe that's not great offensive linemen don't usually make it to the free agent market the good ones but you just spend like five straight draft picks on offensive linemen and a running back and you got McVay's new right hand man and then maybe you think about quarterback in like uh, next year, you're still in a win now mode. If Ben plays with a, with this new play calling mind, I just, I, I think he's smart enough to figure it out. He's not zipping the ball in like Roger still is, but I mean, Drew Brees is still succeeding. I think Ben looks better than Drew Brees to be honest. I think Ben's yeah, but Ben, you got to expect Ben to look worse next year. I think you, that D, that offense was so bad to the point you have to do more than that play caller. I, if I can get Stafford over Ben, I'm getting Stafford over Ben. And if I got, if it's just giving up like 
a third and Juju, yeah, I'm doing it. And maybe you even talk. Yeah, maybe you even make it a second in Juju and some like backup defender. And then if you pull uh, you pull Stafford and like maybe an offensive lineman, hell yeah, I'm doing it because that offensive line is going to be rebuilt through the draft and free agency and trades. That, I mean, I mean, those are really the only entities that you do it. But they gotta they gotta do more than just fire the offensive coordinator, in my opinion. It's more than it's more than fire him and build an offensive running game. Because you got to expect Ben to take a step back. You just really do. The only and he's is... not known. The the one thing I'll say, Seth, because I know you're biased as hell when it comes to Roethlisberger. Ben, he likes Big Ben more than he likes Rodgers. The thing about Ben <laughs> is he's not known for his work ethic either, man. You got to imagine a 39 year old Big Ben. He missed all of last year. His offense looked like crap. <laughs> he looked demoralized after the game. I'm moving on from that guy. I I think the Steelers are. That's a smart organization that doesn't really screw up too often, I think they move on from Big Ben. I think they make the right call, and they're like, hey, this offense really sucked. If he doesn't retire, we ain't touching him. I, would, I wouldn't. The, the, the only thing I think that maybe will hold him back from doing that is there's $22 million in dead cap if you cut Ben, and that's a lot of money for one player. So I think – and, you know, that, that, that's the that's, – I guess what I don't know the rule. I guess I don't know the rules on that, how that works exactly. Well, I, think, I wonder. He, I think he, I I think wonder he could retire, retire as like a, as a goodwill. I think Rob, that's usually what those quarterbacks yep. do. Yep. They make I was just gonna signing say. bonus, but yeah, I think he would retire not as so as to not f over the Steelers. But yep. Yeah. I think that's more like it. So hey, let's talk about the Browns, huh? Please do. I mean, just like I mean, just oh, to cap the Steelers. Did somebody else play in this game? Forgot. Yeah, I mean the Browns kind of did. Yeah, I mean the Steelers. I just Steelers I, couldn't beat the air. <laughs> I think they can make it next year, but I mean they did a complete like 180 with with the the Browns. I mean the Steelers look like the Browns of the last few years, and sure. the Browns looked. They're the hottest team in the NFL right now. They really are. And you know, Owen, to what you're saying there, to where the Steelers look like the Browns of the last couple of years. If you're the Steelers, this is why you really got to start making some changes. You got to be worried about the Browns and the Ravens because they look good. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, it finally clicked for Baker. It's like, hey, you got Chubb and Hunt over there. Chubb goes for 76 yards in some big runs. Hunt's got the two touchdowns. I mean, Hunt had eight carries and two of them were for touchdowns. Like, what the hell? And then on top of it, what blew my mind is what the Steelers' defense is good, but the entire game they were covering Javaris Landry or with linebackers the whole game. The whole game. They got caught with that, man. That was like some old school play calling they were trying to do, like where that slot guy or that third guy in from the line is usually like a tight end or a running back. But I mean, Browns were smart enough to realize that, like, just put Jarvis in there, have him run a slant, and he's off to the races, dude. And here's the thing is he was running these like option routes, and then he was running like the he would go out and then come back in, and he was just beating these linebackers like they weren't even there. And it's like, then you got Chubb getting a touch touchdown receiving, and then Hooper, he's a hard cover for linebackers. They just, which is funny because, you know, the Steelers are known for their, their front seven. They beat up on those linebackers passing the ball, really. Yeah. I mean, and then the two rushing touchdowns, they really, they beat up on the core of that Steelers defense. Uh, it, was, it was probably one of the most impressive first halves, at least, win of the, of the season. Like, what the Browns did to start this game, being down Stefanski and some of these people, it was impressive. That it really was. That that did surprise me. I I didn't think. I mean, I think it, you kind of edged that more towards the Steelers and how bad they played. Like 
It, the, I mean, the Bears could almost maybe beat them, but I mean, overall, what that offense did without Stefanski is, uh, I think, is a good testament to how good this team can be, and maybe a testament yeah. to Alex Van Pelt. Maybe, maybe he gets some head coaching, uh, you know, some some interest there. Maybe depends on how the rest of the you know offseason goes, but a good a good start, a good first game for Van Pelt for sure. I think, Still, for especially doing that to the Steelers defense that's what was the most impressive about it's like the Steelers defense isn't bad you know even as bad as they've been playing as bad as the Steelers team has been playing these last couple weeks the Steelers defense has still got players on it you know what I mean Steelers defense that kept them in games yeah yeah and they did they did not keep them in this game that's for sure (laughs) I mean how bad that offense and how many times they gave it away no no defense could you know if the Brown if the Browns keep this up I mean, and this is going to be the real test is this week because they're going to have to score like this against the Chiefs and not turn the ball over, which is exactly what they did. They did not turn the ball over this game. It'll be it'll be an interesting matchup next week because Andy Reid doesn't screw up. Andy Reid doesn't really make it. Here's my worry there is the Browns put up 48 points because the Steelers turned the ball over a, a million times. But Five like times. you just said, the Chiefs aren't going to do that. Mahomes – Maybe one or two. Maybe, maybe one, or two. one or two. Exactly, one yep. or two. But – they're they're gonna put up thirty with their eyes closed, and this is playoff yep. time. And like you said, you know, at the end of the season, that Andy Reid's the best bye week coach in the league in history of the league, maybe. And so this team is gonna be in ready. the. It is the history of the league. He is the best bye. That's the, that's the thing that scares me is he's got all this time to game plan for a team that was you know kind of outmanned this week, you know, and they still did good. But it's just gonna be it's going to almost be strength on strength because these teams are built on offenses, you know? I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of faith in Cleveland in this game coming up. I really don't. I, but I'm, we'll, I'm get in, there. I'm, we'll get there. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, real, real quickly, I'm in your, your boat, Seth, where they Brown's defense look great, but they were incredibly lucky. So it's hard to really gauge how they're going to play in a, against a, a team that's not going to make those mistakes. Um, Baker's gonna have to to score like on every drive, almost. Every you know, every they're every they're gonna have to. I mean, they always say like keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. That's how you beat him. But I think you have to put up points with Mahomes at the same time. Like that. You know, you to what you just said there, Owen. So like, the Browns didn't have any any sacks. Like they didn't have a single sack the entire game against the Steelers. They got pass rush, but they weren't getting sacks. But Ben just threw the ball to him four times. You know what I mean? Now, I think if the Browns are either just going to have to get on this just scoring fest. But the thing about it is, like you said, Seth, the Steelers are giving them the ball. And, I mean, Mahomes isn't going to do that four times like this. But um, where I think the, the sneaky where the Browns could win this is if they just control the game clock with Hunt and Chubb. That's where they could – if they get out and they score on the first two drives, 14, something like that, and they get an early lead, I would immediately go into – I wouldn't go, like, quiet the offensive down. I'd still be trying to score. But you got to control the clock. Then you got to play smart with Chubb and Hunt and control that clock really, 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 really well. Yep, 100%. Yeah, I just it, – it, Cleveland, you know, it, it's hard to say this because of how well they played, but they're going to have to play even better this week. Oh, yeah. So that, that worries me. But let's move on. Unless we got anything else to say, but I think we beat the Steelers like a dead horse. <laughs> Thank um, you. I, that, that one felt good for me. I'm not going to lie. You know, I knew it would, Jeremy. 
That's that's probably why it's probably why I delayed I this a couple days because I just wanted to delay the inevitable there. But you've been sitting there and sulking on it, you know, because Big Ben, this is probably it for him. You know, it was a swan song, not a good one. And then the Steelers look like absolute dog crap. And you know, it's just like, hey, they got to blow up that offense. They got to do something else. Maybe. Um, maybe. I don't think it's maybe. Let's just agree to disagree, Jeremy. <laughs> let's just agree. Let's just agree. I was right on the Steelers all year long. Let's just agree that Philly doesn't have a coach anymore. That's Let's just agree on that too. <laughs> there All right, is, you know, there is actually, one coach in Pennsylvania, and there is no quarterbacks. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of a good segue to to lead into our next category. But before we do that, I want to tease all of our all of our listeners here, whoever's listening out there. I don't know who is, but somebody is. But I wanted to tease that you know after the playoffs end. Um, and we get into the off season, something we've talked about a little bit, but, uh, we're going to do our kind of a, a top 10 breaking down by position. We'll do a top 10 for, uh, current or, you know, going into next year right now kind of thing. And then we'll do a top 10, um, all time. I know we're pretty excited for this. Jeremy, of course, this is kind of Jeremy's MO right here. He's been wanting to do this pretty much all year long. So, but I thought I'd just throw that in there as a little teaser upcoming that running back hey that running back list of mine is going to look different than anything like ever no. i'm going to roll it steven jackson with, number one david montgomery number steven, two hey i'm going to roll over steven jackson on that list and people go who's, who's steven jackson oh hey he just quietly ran for nine straight thousand yard years oh hey he only had 90 something receiving receptions one year Steven Jackson, LT, that's my bread and butter for running backs right there. Bang. L- LT for sure. LT has to be. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. I'm just going to dive into that for one second. When oh, it comes boy. to the running back position, I like guys that can do everything, not just run the ball. I would never roll with a Derrick Henry who just runs the ball, or, or no offense to Adrian Peterson. I know he's great, but a guy that just runs the ball like, like that. I would, it would be like Walter Payton, those type of guys that can do anything for you. So, so is Marshall Falk in your top 10 too, then? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I, I was going to say, he's, he's one of those guys that can do hey, it all. You want to know something? In my opinion, Seth, the St. The Louis LA Rams have the best running backs, like backfield, probably of all time almost, because of those two guys right there. And Dickerson. I was going to say, it, shouldn't it be Dickerson and Falk and then Steven Jackson? Dickerson, I would probably, this is the last thing I'm saying. I got to shut up. Dickerson, Falk. Steven Jackson, and then Todd Gurley quietly. You got four guys right there, high-level dudes. And injuries, what kind of quietly got rid of Jackson and uh, Todd Gurley, but that's a that's a hell of a backfield as far as, like, a franchise goes. You're right. They, they, it definitely has the argument for uh, best running back group committee of all time, 100%. Mm-hmm. All right. You got to change the subject. On. I'll go all night. I'll go all night. I know. Let's go on all night about this subject, huh, Jeremy? Uh, you know, talking, talking some coaching moves, some GM moves, you know, for these, these teams that are, are waiting for next year now. Uh, just announced today for everybody that uh, Urban Meyer is the new head coach in Jacksonville. He's going to take, uh, you know, it might, you know, maybe pair him up with uh, Trevor Lawrence, probably number one overall pick, as we mentioned earlier. But he's the new coach in Jacksonville, just announced uh congrats to him coming back coming to the nfl for the first time feels kind of weird saying that because he's been coaching forever but forever never at the nfl ranks but 
But another college, yep. successful college coach coming up to the ranks finally. Is he going to be, you know, a Nick Saban that a flash in the pan and Chip Kelly that goes away and, you know, goes away in a couple of years? Or is he going to be the Pete Carroll type? I think he's going to be the Pete Carroll type. I think he's going to be good. And Jacksonville's got a lot of young talent. You bring in a guy like Lawrence, you got all that capital, those, those pick early picks. I think that could flip Jacksonville like that. And, I mean, you're looking at a conference where it's like the Colts got an old quarterback that's possibly going to retire. You've got Tennessee who, like we said, quarterback is not going to win you games. And a running back, that, that's not how you win games in the NFL anymore. And then Houston, who's a mess. And it's, you got Deshaun Watson and nothing. So Jacksonville could very easily go from worst to first this year. Like, they really could. Yeah, maybe. Do we know uh, the contract on that for him? How many years? I don't know. If- I, I never actually like thought like it. 12 million a year or something. And John Gruden, well, like, was getting 10 million a year. 10. 12 million was, was that was the speculation of what was being asked for. And I, I know it was supposed to be five plus years. Um, cause okay, you guys, I imagine, haven't seen any details on that yet. I don't know. I haven't either. At least, but I'm, I'm curious on how many, the, the number of years was the contract, not so much the money. Cause obviously he's going to get top money, but I'm, you I'm got to imagine though, not to interrupt yourself. You got to imagine, he's got to be coming in with some sort of say like in the GM part of it. Cause these college coaches, that's what was chip. That was the big thing for chip and Philly is these college coaches. They're so used to having all of the control yep. on the campus that they want to have all the control at the NFL team that can either be good or that can be bad. Now that, with urban, go ahead on. That was the, that was kind of the talk of uh, what, what would put urban Meyer in the best position to succeed. Obviously he's got all this draft capital. And he's got some. He's got a young core to build around. Uh, what was being talked about today? I, I was listening to Mike Lombardi. Uh, he was a great listen. He's a little bit of a prick, but he's a he's a great listen. <laughs> um, he was talking about they're gonna they're gonna hire a GM who isn't really there for the control. He's there for the scouting. Like he's just gonna be your head scout, basically, which is what a lot of GMs are now for uh, these higher paid head coaches. What's up, Seth? I was going to say, just to add into that, why not make Urban your GM then as well and just hire a, like a head scout? I think everybody kind of <laughs> – I think just like it was in college when it, you know, Urban Meyer is your head coach or Nick Davin is your head coach, it's understood that really they're in control of all the decisions. And I think that's what he's going to be coming in with. But what the other thing that was mentioned today is that he's really – now that it's pretty much confirmed that he's hired – um, he's, he's talking to all of these available veteran NFL coaching like assistants that he's going to be bringing in. Uh, they're going to have to go on lower contracts unless, I mean, general manager, Shad Khan, he's got a lot of money. He'll probably just shell it out yeah, for this. He can do it. So he's going to have all these assistants to kind of like help the culture start off in an NFL way, because if urban, came in with like coaching assist uh college assistants he's he's gonna he's just gonna naturally turn it into a college team so he's gonna have all these nfl assistants come in help him he's ready for round two help him uh, yeah he's got two beers ready help him set it up the right way he's gonna have his head scout who who's gonna be able to help him hey breaking news not to interrupt you jets hiring robert sala as head coach breaking news i just got that really we we break news on this show no big deal (laughs) We, we break news. So okay, it's oh, not I'm even on ESPN yet. I I'm I'm searching. I, through. Say? I, 
I got these connections, boys. I got these connections. Well, that's Jeff's why you're here. Oh, that's yeah. That's what I'm here for. Oh, no. Just, hey, just call me Shefty. No big deal. Whatever. All right. But, no, I'm going to chime in real let's, quick. Let's, here see, your, let's see your Twitter presence, Jeremy. I, I might have to. I'm, hey, the Jets get their – oh, no, no, my man. My bad. I'm reading the wrong one. I was mixing articles there. There was one that said the Jets uh, – the Jags get their man, and then there's the Jets headline right above it. But, no, the one thing I'll chime in about Urban – Urban's got a big pool to pull from because look at all the time he spent in Florida. So he's got, you know, he's got ties in Florida. He spent time in Utah. He had Alex Smith in Utah. He's got ties in Ohio State. So this dude's got ties out west and the southeast, and then he's got it up in the Midwest. Urban, I think, is going to be, there it is, my guy. There it is. Hey, I might have to get a, I break news on here, boys. I break news, okay? We come here to break bread, and I break news. So, break bread. but no, <laughs> I think I think Urban. I like. I have high hopes for the Jaguars. I, I what's what kind of gets me with Urban going to the Jaguars is it makes you wonder. Like Urban's not the type of guy that's going to go there and get pushed around. He's going to bring in that presence that's going to be like, hey, let's establish something here. So it makes you wonder if the London factor is totally out the window now because the Jaguars have been kind of throwing around the idea of, hey, let's go international. <laughs> I can't see Urban Meyer being an international no. coach. You no. know what I mean? So I think this is going to – I think this is going to turn into a situation where Urban Meyer – This I think he's going to have the Pete Carroll effect where they're going to draft really well for the first couple of years. I mean, he's going to have Ryan Day in Ohio to bounce off the Florida guys, you know, in Utah. He's going to have all these people to pull from as far as drafting. He's got a young, good roster. He's got Trevor Lawrence coming in. I think this I, – I truly think this is going to be a worst to first. Like, I'd almost put money on that. I think they're going to you know, make some noise. You know, you, you, you talked about this. I think we talked last week or the week before. I can't remember about, you know, uh, appealing spots for teams, you know, as, as a coach. And I'll give it to you because a couple of people that I've listened to also put the Jags up there, which I didn't have the Jags ranked as high just because I didn't think they had enough talent. Now they got the draft capital to do it, to make some changes. But I mean, I I guess I see where that's coming from because, you know, that offense might be a quarterback away from being pretty good because they do have some weapons there. So Chark, James Robinson, they got guys, DD Westbrook still, they got guys, you know, they do. That line's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, They got, they got, they have some weapons and, it's definitely a bright future for Jacksonville, bringing in a guy like this, a fresh mind, uh, a young mind. Well, younger. I shouldn't say he's not, like, young. but I was going to yeah, say, Urban's not a young coach. That's that's the one thing, too, is I think Urban's going to – he's going to be – it'll be interesting to see because college coaches are usually known for being control freaks. You know, oh. but it'll be interesting. He, he might come in and establish, like – because the Jaguars have been good in the past. I mean, when they had that year when they went to the AFC Championship. Yeah, what was that three, four years ago now? Five years maybe? And they, Yeah, they still got a lot of those guys on that roster. I mean, not Ramsey and not a lot of the high-end talent and Ngakwe, but they got a lot of these guys left. I mean, I don't know. I got high hopes. I, I'm a little biased. I mean, I hear about Ohio State and Meyer a lot from my brother, but, like, I have high hopes for Jacksonville. And, I mean, in the NFC and, – and my bad, the AFC South, that's a division. It's kind of like the NFC South. It's a different. It's a different team taking yeah. the championship every year. You know. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, uh, here's the thing. Go ahead, Owen. Well, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to pivot off. I'm going to talk about Sonoma, but let me let me say one thing. Yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, come ahead. back to that real quick. We'll, let's finish. The one last Urban. thing I'll say. The l- one last thing I'll say is, you bring in 
Trevor Lawrence, who's thought to be this next coming, you know, of basically Christ. You know, the guy's going to be the next Andrew Luck, John Elway type. And then you bring in this coach. Shoot, you might really have, like, not, I'm not going to go dynasty status, but you might really have something here for a while. I bet you Lawrence is feeling a lot better about going to the Jaguars than oh, he did, like, sure. three weeks ago. For uh, sure. I was going to break a little bit of uh, uh, side B news on the Salah hire. Expected to take 49ers passing game coordinator Mike LaFleur as his offensive coordinator. No way, for real. Little Matt. Yeah, that's that's yep. for real. Oh boy. And when that I was thinking about be... this, I was thinking about this I last year. They made a big deal about Salah and Matt LaFleur, and he was like the best, he's the best man at his wedding, whatever. And Mike LaFleur was in San Francisco. Uh like I was talking about what uh, what the Steelers should have done was just go take McVeigh or Shanahan, whoever their right hand man in the offensive game is, just go take them and make them your your coordinator. And here he is, Michael Fleur, getting this chance as the OC. He has complete yeah. control of the play calling. At that Jets, I mean Jets got a bright future too, maybe. You know that that's a little disappointing because Matt tried to bring in his brother last year as, as OC, a, some kind of offensive. I, did you ever hear about that? I, I mean, I assumed, yeah. Yeah, there is a report, I think, towards the beginning of last year that Matt tried to bring in Mike for some kind of offensive position. I don't know what it yeah. was exactly, but San Francisco denied him, turned him down. So it's cool to see, but it's also kind of a bummer because you'd like to see, you know, it'd be cool to see him in Green Bay as well. But it would, it that, would. But I mean, now he's gonna he's gonna get his shot to take a like a low ranked off. He's gonna be the one working directly with Sam Darnold. That's the other thing. Like he's gonna be the guy to bring Sam Darnold back. Here, okay, I got two questions then. Uh, two instant reaction questions is. Now that two of the two of the big coaching spots are gone, is as as a fan base of both of these teams, who are you more excited as? As as a Jags fan now, Urban coming in, and probably Lawrence as well, or New York with Sala so, and Lafleur and maybe Darnold, maybe another quarterback. We don't what know. What I yet. would say is it depends on how the draft goes. I would be more excited. If it breaks down that Lawrence goes one and Fields goes two, I'm more excited for the Jaguars. If it breaks down that the Jets take that second round pick and trade it for more draft capital and move on with Darnold, I'm I'm kind of split there because if you move on with Darnold as your guy and you go if you take that two and turn it into five picks, I mean you could pick up another lineman, you could pick up some defensive you know things. You got to imagine a, a name coming in like Sala. The Jets got a lot of free agents this year, a lot of free agents. If you if you bring back like Marcus May and a lot of these pass rushers, I think I would be almost more excited about the Jets. You know, more free agents means the Jets got more money to play with a little bit too here. Yeah. I think yep. I I think uh, so. The easy the easier answer is the Jaguars because you got Urban is an, an exciting hire and you got all the draft two new faces players. two new faces. But uh, in a sense, you could argue for the Jets because the the coaching is proven. Robert Sala took the 32nd ranked San Francisco defense, I think, in 2017 and turned it into what it was last year, which was like for sure the best, like obviously the best, by far the best. Uh, and then, you know, Michael Fleur has a great pedigree, uh, obviously his brother Matt, and then just being with Kyle Shanahan for all these years. So in that sense, um, yeah, I mean, and then Joe Douglas is, is a respected general manager, too, at the same time. So it doesn't look like there's dysfunction in, in the Jets organization right now, like there has been for years. 
Um, but I mean, like like Jeremy said, like you you keep Darnold. Like if that proves, like if they scale Darnold out and they and they think that he is the right choice moving forward, you add three offensive linemen, you add a star defensive player, you add a young receiver who can run a four-two. Like that's give it two years. I I think it'd take longer for the Jets to be good, but look out. You know, if interesting about Darnold is if you decide to keep with him and he's your quarterback and you, like Jeremy said, you can move on from that second overall pick and get four or five picks easily from that. But you could almost do the same with Darnold. You can move him. If you're deciding that you're taking a quarterback at two, whether it's fields or Lawrence, you could easily move Darnold for a first round pick and maybe a couple later round picks or a second and a third or something like that. You're going to get capital for both of them. Either way. Yep. Either way. It's true. Maybe the, Maybe the right choice is to move from like the second pick back to like the the, the fourth or something. Whoever yep. whoever like wants it, and then you still get like Panay Sewell, that highly touted left tackle, and you get an extra pick. You know whatever whatever thing, you decide to do. The only thing with Sewell like that is, I think if you move back, I think he's kind of a lock to go three, four, five somewhere in there for sure. Because like the Bengals need a lineman. The Dolphins could use another tackle. I mean, there's a couple teams right there, and he's highly highly touted. Um, that's true. I, I mean, as far as the jet, I get what you're saying though. I definitely get what you're saying. Cause I mean, yeah, you could, yeah, yeah. you could market that, that pick to say the dolphins really are looking at moving on from tour. You could market that as, Hey, come up and get, um, you know, fields from Ohio state. You could. And then if you put, if you traded the two, there's a couple of teams, there's two teams that have two first round picks. Could you imagine if you flip that for two first and say a third or fourth? That's true. That maybe maybe, maybe what they should do. Roster. Maybe what they should do is uh, flop with Cincinnati. Flip. Well, you know, maybe I, I think the logical choice is probably Atlanta at four because they're looking at a quarterback. You know, maybe maybe they steal Devonte Smith from Philly. You know, I was going to say that same thing. <laughs> not not to bring it you up know, or anything. But. I got I got to say something on that real quick. I have seen a lot of mock drafts because it is mock draft season starting over a week ago because Eagles suck. Um, and there's a lot of mock drafts of him going to Miami and then Najee Harris going to Miami with that second first round pick. And I'm just thinking, man, if they had Alabama, if they had an Alabama triplets, that'd be dangerous. But uh, Smith is an Eagle. <laughs> if he's not an Eagle, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't get him if we don't get him or chase man i'm gonna lose it for sure do you okay so i'm just i'm just looking at this quick just to just to dip into that into that um dip into that water is jalen waddle looks like he announced that he's going to the draft as well declared is, yep, he declared is is he a first round pick too i think just the way the nfl is anymore he's a late first round pick for sure he's an alabama receiver man all of them have been good lately and he, he's like another Henry Ruggs almost. He, he's, a, he's got a 4-2-40 pretty much, at least in college right now. We'll see what he runs because of this injury, what he runs at the combine and things like that. But an, interesting. It'll be an interesting draft. But all right. So, you know, let's stick in Philly, Jeremy, shall we? Because as, as far as we know, they don't have a head coach anymore because I think they, they dumped uh, Dougie Fresh over there. Yeah, uh, the, the is, Philly miracle. You gotta do me like this. You gotta do me like this. So let me pull. We it gotta up talk about it. it. It's, I mean, it's where where do the Eagles go now? Now that they don't have Doug, I mean, is it BNME? So, is is the top choice? 
you know something? Um, actually, the coach we're being linked to in Kansas City is Mike Kafka. I know. Oh, and that was yeah. my reaction. My Reddit. Because so that? this is okay. Mike Kafka. The, I mean, Mike for all Kafka the audio listeners, a, I I dip my head in disappointment. But but uh, I don't know. Mike Kafka. Who who is that? Somebody enlighten me. He was a he was a backup quarterback in Philly under Andy Reid. And then he basically turned into Doug 2.0 in Kansas City. And he was kind of looking to be maybe the next offensive coordinator when the enemy leaves. Um, but no, he's the guy that we're getting linked to the most, which is if we if we hire him as the head coach, I'm going to be a little disappointed because it's going to feel like Doug all over again. We lucked into Doug where it was like, hey, Andy Reid was like, hey, here's this guy. You know, he was in Philly as a, a you know backup, blah, blah, and he kind of coached with us. And then uh, we won a Super Bowl, you know. So Mike Kafka's the the guy that's kind of getting dangled out there. Another one is Gerard Mayo, the old linebacker for uh, the New England Patriots. He yeah. he's a what's up? I was gonna say I'm I'm looking at a list because I'm kind of looking at a tracker here of all of the Eagles guys that they've either wanted an interview with or requested. Or have they completed one? So let me let me just run through these names quick for yep. you, Jeremy. I was going to say, and then you can t- touch on it. But all right, so they've requested Todd Bowles, Bucks defensive coordinator. He's kind of a late who's, hot name. Who's coached in? He's coached in Philly before. Just so you know. Oh, all right, uh, Joe Brady is a Panthers offensive coordinator. Apparently, they've already interviewed uh, Gerard Mayo, who you just said. Um, Kellen Moore, interestingly enough, apparently, yeah, uh, yeah that that kind of surprises me. Um, solid they already had, but he's already gone, gone now, as we just said. We never even interviewed him, I don't think. And then, yeah, it says planned here. So I guess they had something set up, but never got that far. And then Arthur Smith as well, the Titans offensive coordinator. So, I mean, other than the guy you just spoke about, you know, I guess out of that list, out of the reports, you know, who, who's the guy that you would want in Philly? You're missing um... – Who's the guy up in Buffalo, the offensive coordinator? Brian Dable. Did you say Dable, Seth? I did not. He's not on this list. Is he on there? He, he's a favorite. So he's a favorite because him and uh, Howie have the same uh, agent. So he's an early favorite. Um, you also missed out on Deuce. Deuce is also lined up to have a head coach in, uh, interview. That's internal, though, right? That'd be internal. Correct. So here is a couple early storylines from this. If Deuce is not ending up in the finalist or if he's not hired, it goes to show that Lurie and Howie are just bullshitters because he played the interim head coach when Doug was out with COVID. Um, Dable, he's got the same ties with Howie as far as the G with the agent. Um, the other guy, Kafka. Kafka's another guy that'd be handpicked by Andy Reid basically and dropped in our lap. Lincoln Riley, we requested. Um, he apparently turned it down. Salah's gone. Arthur Smith out of Tennessee. He was another one. I mean, I don't know. Todd Bulls would be back in Philly. I would be very surprised if Jeffrey Lurie went with a defensive-minded coach because he is all scoring, all offense all the time. So I would be very surprised if that happened. Um, Ryan Day was another guy. And Joe Brady. I think Ryan Dable. Don't you want an offensive-minded coach to kind of help fix Wentz if Wentz is – your future are you sticking that's, with him because so that's, the, that's that's why i think dayball's the, fa- the favorite because he fixed uh jared allen and he's got the tie josh, josh allen my bad and i think i'm thinking gerard Merrill here i think 
as far as Philly goes, I at this point think Philly is the worst vacancy by far. I really do. Um, so that's you, why you beat me to my next question. That was my next question. Honestly, was what's what's the worst spot now? Is it Houston or is it Philly or not Atlanta? Even not even close. It's Philly. Houston's at least got an established quarterback moving forward. We have a quarterback controversy. We have the controversy of we fired uh, our head coach after he won the Super Bowl three years ago and made the playoffs the two years following. We have the controversy of Hurts. We have the controversy of Jeffrey Lurie's press conference, which is a joke. And then we, on top of that, have the, the controversy of we are in cap hell and Howie Roseman looks like an idiot. So I wouldn't touch that. If I was any of these coaches, I wouldn't touch it. The only one I can think that is – it's going to be Brian Dayball will be the only like big name we bring in just because of the Howie and the agent ties. And other than that, I think it's going to be like a low level college guy or Deuce. I think there's no other options, honestly. I don't think why the hell would any of these guys want to touch this? You got, if, if, if I'm looking at this cap hell quarterback controversy, just moved on from a Super Bowl winning coach after three years. No way I'm touching it. Yeah, that's old roster. I mean, I mean, when you break that down, I think maybe the only logical choice is probably do Staley, just yeah, just bring him up. I mean, I don't know. Right. I, I've right heard I've heard reports as well about Deuce is that he's pretty well liked in the locker room too. Yep. respected by I was the, just gonna, by the team. I was just going to say that. So after Doug got fired, Malcolm Jenkins put a tweet on Twitter, and then it was Malcolm, and then it was Lane Johnson right away. A bunch of people jumped on and made these comments about Deuce. You know what's funny is Deuce and Doug Peterson played on the Eagles at the same time. They actually played on in a game together where Doug was the quarterback and it was Andy Reid. He was he was the coach. I think that was back in '98 or '99, if I remember. It was right before McNabb. But it would be funny to see if Deuce ended up being the head coach. It would be back to back former Eagle players, but he wouldn't. I, I would be okay with Deuce honestly because Deuce, when he did call the shots a couple of times with the the play calling, or at least quote unquote did. He did pretty good. Um, the thing about Doug is Doug used to get real pass heavy. Um, Deuce, from when he was doing the play calling, he didn't get run heavy. And here's the I mean, thing he's is, a former he's running not, back, so. Yep. But I think Deuce, the thing about Deuce, it, it would be the staff that gets built around him. And I, I hope that with Doug, the, the thing was Doug didn't pick Schwartz. Doug didn't pick any of these coaches. He didn't even get a keep. Uh, he had to put his neck on the line for uh, Frank Reich and, Allegedly, they're going to move on from Doug. Excuse me. After the first year, I, that's the thing is I don't know who the hell would want to touch this. I really don't. I think it's going to. I think it's going to end up being Deuce or Mike Kafka. Honestly, that would be my two guesses right there. Yeah, I. That it's tough because the Eagles lost out on probably the highest name out there, Sala. I don't know how serious it was anyway, but that that's tough if, for anybody coming in I there. If I could have my pick of all of them, I'd take I'd take Lincoln Riley. I'd move on from Lincoln. I'd roll with Hurts. That would be my pick. Yeah, if, if you're bringing in Riley, that's only logical yep. because that was his head coach in, in college. Yep, and then I would promote Deuce to offensive coordinator, and I would go find like a real, real high-level guy for a defensive coordinator because, um, I mean, that's the other thing. is like Jim Schwartz was doing a hell of a job for what he had to work with, but – the Eagles' ultimate problem is they got to fire Howie. Like, that's the problem here is because, like, we hit on all of our early picks for the most part. Lane Johnson, Carson, you know, we hit on these guys. We don't draft that early that often, but we do hit on them once we draft them. But, my God, like, how – it should have – if I could have picked the way it broke down, Howie would have been the head that would have rolled. 
and then we would have traded once and we'd be rolling on with dogs. Dog and hurts. That would have been the way it would have rolled on, in my opinion, but it is what it is now. All right. We'll uh, we'll ease Jeremy's pain and move on from Philly now. So the so is the next big candidate be enemy now? I mean, is he the, the next big name up? Is he is he almost a lock for either LA or Houston? Pair him with you that. would you would hope so, but just I mean, obviously I don't know a goddamn thing. Everything I say or anything any one of us should say should be like with a grain of we salt. don't really know what we're talking about. It's just fun speculation. But anyway, uh, I mean, in my eyes, like just the Kansas City offensive coordinator should obviously be like a number one target for any team. I don't know why he's not he's not already in a job, but um, I think I think just the there was a connection with Brian Dable and and the Chargers. I thought I thought he was kind of a lock. I'm surprised that happened didn't happen already. Um, but the Bills are still uh, playing. That's the thing is none of these teams can truly lock it up yet. He has had interviews though. Like I'm, I'm maybe they're just being respectful and not announcing that as a fact, yeah. but uh, I mean, and then Houston, I mean, who knows what's going to happen there. I don't Does they anybody want to go to Houston? I <laughs> guess, you know, it, I guess I, it makes sense for Houston to bring in a GM first and then bring in your head coach at least because yeah. at least let your new GM pick their head coach so you can have that regime together instead of picking a head coach and then bringing in a GM. And then you, you, you might get that GM and be like, well, that's not the guy I wanted. So, you know, I guess that makes sense from, from that standpoint for Houston, but you would think that LA would have their coach already because th- to me, that's definitely the next most appealing spot on the, out of all these candidates is our teams left that don't have a head LA. coach. LA is the place I'd want to go. The thing is, though, is these teams that are still because what is there six vacancies now or five? Five because Jacksonville and uh and New New York are both tied up, so there's five left because it's Atlanta, Detroit, Philly, Houston, and LA. Yep, five yep, left. Yeah, yep. LA is by far and away the best. Like that's it's not even close. Um, I I would assume. Because, I mean, you could name off five coaches that are high-level coordinators that are still in the playoffs right now. They're probably all waiting on these guys or college people, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there was uh, – Ryan Day was another one, and then there was somebody out of Alabama, too, that was getting talked about in the Eagle search. But I would assume – I think if Eric Bieniemy, I think if he goes anywhere, I think it's probably Houston. I think they make that move just to fix Watt, Watson, like fix, fix the relationship there. Because apparently he seems to be the favorite by Watson from all the articles that I read. Um, L, the one that I kind of question is like, who does who who wants the Chargers? Because the Chargers ownership is what comes into mention all the time because they don't like to pay coaches, as allegedly. Because there was the whole thing with the Bosa, they didn't want to pay Bosa when he got drafted in the first round. So that's the thing with the Chargers is like, who wants to touch that? Because the ownership's kind of got a bad reputation. So I mean. I mean, yeah, you got a damn good roster and probably the best quarterback moving forward right now. But I, I don't know. It's it's funny because I think Eric. I, I don't know. It's hard to say really right now. You know, it, it they is. might sit vacant until the Super Bowl. To tell you the truth. I mean, it's yeah. happened before. It's happened before, so it wouldn't surprise hey, me. And you want to know? You want to know something, Seth? Lurie, uh, Jeffrey Lurie said that it doesn't matter if he's picking last for coaches. Uh, they'll. 
that guy sounded like an idiot, man. <laughs> he he made this comment about going on and on about like it doesn't matter if we sign the first one or if we sign the last one, you know. He made it sound like either way it's a great thing. It's like no, it doesn't really. It's not if you sign the last one, you just get in the scrap heap. But whatever, I don't know. I don't. What I do don't, you know, Jeremy? Team, what do so. you know? You're just sitting on your couch. The the I'm only other sitting uh, on my bed, but close enough. Whatever. It could, it could be your bed. Who knows? Um, the only other coaching uh, tidbit that I thought was interesting was uh, Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett interviewed for the Falcons head coaching job, which surprises me, but doesn't at the same time because of how off, how good this offense has looked the last two years since Lafleur came in, since Hackett came in. I would hate to see him move on. I don't know how serious it is if they're just kind of doing their due diligence, moving around, look at some of these top tier teams, but it wouldn't surprise me either, but I just found that interesting. I, as a fan, I hope he doesn't leave because there's a good core right there, but, uh, but yeah, anyways, Owen, you ready for some, uh, you ready for some picks? Am I ready for picks? I'm always ready for picks, man. I'm so glad that Wisconsin isn't a gambling state yet because, oh dang, I love, I just love, be, I just it makes everything this from a box on the street. Yeah, it, it might be, or or I'd be in Vegas handicapping all their games for them because I'm just so good at it. You know what I mean? So good at it. Shoot, um, Seth, I'm here to host the super duper. Divisional round edition of The Line is Right. I'm not as chipper anymore because I did lose the lead for the, the, the year. I, I think, in, uh, I think you mean that, that went to me, though? I'm not saying anything, Seth, especially not about you. So I didn't do very great. Uh, two and three. We So there were six games, one game pushed. The Washington, Tampa Bay game we had at a uh, uh, Tampa Bay favored by eight points and they won by eight points. So the game pushed, uh, we're looking at, I went two and three and both of you gentlemen went a lovely winning record of three and two. Lock it in <laughs> boys. Were there any, just off the bat, were there any games where you were watching? You're like, Oh, of course that happened. Of course I had that wrong. Like I should, I should have known better. Was there any specific moment or a specific game? I guess maybe the only the one that pops into my head is probably the Seattle LA game. I'm trying to mm. remember who I picked for that one, but we I didn't expect. Seattle. Yeah, I didn't expect LA to play as well as they did, or maybe Seattle to play not nearly as well as I thought they would. Yeah, you know, Owen, to your question, I have a terrible memory, so I, okay. as soon as we're done with the picks, I almost forget. Um, well, yeah, I mean that's okay. I mean, even apart from the picks, just you look, you're watching the game. And you think it, you go into it thinking one thing's going to happen, and then it, the game unravels, and you're like, "Oh, uh, duh! Of course, like, of okay. course, of course, it's this Steelers come out twenty-eight to nothing in the first quarter." You there know it is. I mean? So the two games that I watched was when I was watching Lamar like just throw this duck, and I was like, "Wow, Lamar, Lamar throwing the ball in the playoffs is as crappy as I've said." And then when I was watching the Steelers look like absolute dog crap, I was like, wow, I've been right on the Steelers all year long. That was my two points where I was like, man, I'm a genius. Um, but other than that, you know, that was pretty much the two points. You know? I feel you. I, uh, we can run down them really quick. Uh, Jeremy and I were both high on Buffalo. 
uh, covering the six and a half point spread. Steph picked Indy. That was the right choice. Uh, because only Indy, the right choices come from me. That oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> shut up. So <laughs> Indianapolis was just a perfect matchup, and you know Buffalo looked good for most of the game, and then Indy was able to keep it close. Uh, that was an excellent game. So I didn't. Feel that was one hard, that but... surprised me. That one surprised me because I expected Buffalo to win by like a touchdown or two. You know, not yeah, super yes. tight. The the stat line between Diggs and Allen, you kind of think it would have been higher that the the margin, but yeah, it was I mean, good, that I, was probably the best game last weekend. Yeah, the Colts scored about as much as I thought they would. I thought Buffalo would be able to score more than they did, uh, but I think we were talking about that game last week, and I was like. I started it off being like, yeah, I mean, Indy just matches up so well against Buffalo's weakness. Maybe they could pull this one out. And I still pick the Buffalo Bills. Uh, anyway, I mean, Seattle came out like a wet fart. Pittsburgh came out like a gassy wet fart. <laughs> no one picked Chicago. We were all high on New Orleans. That happened. Uh, we all picked Baltimore in a close game, but we all picked Baltimore. And then obviously the Tampa Bay-Washington game was a close one. Uh, the only thing I got to say one. to that one – Say it. The only thing I got to say about that is uh, the Steelers didn't come out with like a gassy wet fart. They came out like you actually shit your pants. Yeah, okay. Whatever. You mean they came out like the Browns? It was was a brown. It was was some doo-doo in your drawers right there for sure. Uh, Seth, what were you saying? Uh, I think, did you ask the line of one game? Oh, yeah, the line of Washington, uh, Tampa. What was that? Tampa Bay was favored by eight points. All right. So we all pushed on them. All right. Anyway. Well, this week is going to go better for you, Owen, because you're going to pick Green Bay. So that's all that matters. Automatic win? Man. Uh, this Okay. Well, this well, let's get into it because I'm interested. Uh, I have some notes. I'm still – I'm kind of set on where I want to go, but I'm still willing to hear some arguments out. Uh, first game of the super-duper divisional round weekend of the NFL playoffs – uh, three o'clock, the three o'clock range on Saturday. We got Los Angeles Rams at the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay favored by six and a half points, which, in my opinion, I usually kind of guess the line in my head before I read them. I guessed a little bit less just because of you know the Rams defense, but they are favored by six and a half points. That does surprise me. With that, yeah. like you just said, that defense you think would make that much closer three, four yeah, but, points maybe. But I think the number one offense, it's the number one scoring offense versus the number one scoring defense. Right. Right. So it is, a, it seems like a good matchup. Um, I think Vegas might be doing that to keep people from picking the Packers. That might be their little mind trick that they're doing. Like, oh, the line's really high. Don't pick the Packers so they can make some money. But um, Saturday, it's looking like it's going to be sub freezing temps in Green Bay. They are looking at snow showers now. I was reading all week that they weren't, but now. We are looking at snow. Bring showers. it on. Bring it on. <laughs> I don't have a lot of great uh, defining stats for these games. Uh, a couple of things. This is a big matchup game. You got Matt LaFleur versus Sean McVay. You got, uh, you know, offense versus defense. You got Adams versus Jalen Ramsey. You got, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just a, seems like a perfect matchup on paper. What do you guys think? is going to happen in this game. I'll let Jeremy go first. So I think um, I got this one little stat here. 
So Devontae Adams against Jalen Ramsey, because I think they kind of equal each other out, if I'm being completely honest. You got 18 receiving touchdowns, number one in the NFL, and he did it in, what, 14 games? Uh, 98.1 receiving yards per game, also number one in the NFL. Then you have, on the Ramsey side, you got 309 yards receiving yards allowed a game, and then a 50% completion percentage, which is tied for second in the NFL. I think those two equal each other. I think the X factor by far in this game is Rodgers. It's going to be Rodgers getting the ball elsewhere, and then it's going to be Jones out of the backfield. Um, now, the X factor for the X factor for the, the Rams is going to be if Goff shows up and he can grip the damn ball, and then if if uh, Aaron Donald can you know cause some havoc. I, I I'm going to go Packers regardless in this, but the Rams are built to make a mess out of this game. The weather concerns me though, because with Goff's gum, with Goff's gum, with Goff's <laughs> thumb. My bad. When Goff's thumb gripping the ball in wet, soggy weather like that is going to be a problem. Big so you're, so you, I mean, you obviously picked the Packers to win, but are you saying they win by seven points or more? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think Rodgers is going to find a way to put up points. It's going to be more. Uh, Rodgers is better than Rodgers is a be- better quarterback than than just having Devonte Adams. Um, and this is the type of moment that Rodgers will show up in. I, I have faith in Rodgers. I, I actually like the, the key things to this is going to be Donald, Aaron Donald, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Aaron, the Aaron. Aaron. And then, it, and then it's going to be Jared Goff. And after that, it's going to be if, if that Bakhtiari injury has a big impact on it. That's like where my head's at with all the whole game. Great point to make. Uh, Seth, go ahead and transition off because I, you probably have some thoughts about the line. And, and Donald, and I want to know what you think. Are you scared of Donald? I mean, of course, who isn't scared of Donald? Okay, okay. But, well, how scared of you then? You know, I'm not as scared as maybe some people would be because the Packers probably have the best offensive line in the league. And if any team is able to recoup from losing maybe the best left tackle in the league, it's probably the Packers because – they shifted Wagner over, not Wagner, I mean, Turner over to left Turner, tackle yeah. last week. Did just fine. Or two weeks ago, I guess now. Against and, the Bears, then, yeah. and then, um, you know, Wagner played right tackle, played just fine. Interestingly enough, Turner had one of the best grades as a right tackle in the league all year. Kind of quietly, but quietly played great football over there. And then just kind of, he kind of just slid over and, and played just fine. But the thing with Donald is he's not going to line up over the tackles. He's going to line up in the middle. He's going to line up over the guards. He's going to line up over – I mean, I think if he's going to line up anywhere, it's going to be over Patrick, not over Jenkins or Lindsley, because those are two of the top interior linemen in the league. So it, it Patrick, I mean, if you want to say an X factor, it might be Lucas Patrick because he's probably going to have his hands full with um, with Donald all day. But I have faith in Mc, – McFay, wow – LaFleur to scheme something good and, um, you know, get rid of the ball quickly with Rodgers. He, he's so good at that. Just snap, you know, snapping and just snapping the ball to whoever it is. It, you know, he's so good at that. He's been so good at that this year. So I'm not super worried about that. I'm kind of almost more worried about Leonard Floyd, um, you know, on the edge against Wagner, probably against Wagner, not so much Turner, but, and Wagner is such an injury I mean, if he goes down now that Veldhier isn't playing because of COVID, 
you know, who, who's the next guy up that kind of worries me because Wagner does have some injury issues. So if he does go down, who knows who it is? Maybe they move Jenkins out there and put Ronyan in there. Luckily Jenkins can play that, anywhere. Yeah. That would be the move in my opinion, but I'll talk a little bit more on that. when I get But to anyways, to me, the, the true X factor, because Jeremy, you're right. Um, Adams and Ramsey are kind of going to take each other out of this game. Um, I think the true X factor is MBS as if he's going to be able to play a big game like he can, or if he's going to drop three passes like he can, because he's a guy that can get deep down the middle and probably burned by anybody on the Rams, maybe besides Ramsey. Um, so they're probably going to take a couple shots early. And if they can take advantage of MVS down the field, um, I think it could be a big game for the Packers offense, but if uh, MVS can't get going, or Lazard maybe, then it, it could be close. It might be a little bit of a struggle. I'm going Green Bay either way. I'll take Green Bay as well and the points uh, just because I have faith. And I, I think that defense is going to be able to shut the Rams down. Um, they Packers have a better defense than Seattle. Not like it's a ton better. But the Packers defense has played a lot better the last four or five weeks of the season, which gives me some hope there. I think they can shut Goff down. I'm not super worried about Goff. I'm more worried about that rushing attack, and I think they'll be able to do it. I think this will be – I think it's going to be somewhat low scoring. I'm not sure what the over-under is on it, but I think it's going to be somewhat low scoring. But can they do it by a touchdown? Yeah. So I just want to chime in real quick. Please For do. all the non-Packer fan listeners, Seth, you sounded like the most biased Packer fan to start that. Aaron Rodgers is the best. Devontae Adams is the best. And we got the best offensive line in the NFL. And our coach, is there. that was – you literally named off three, four things. And they're the best in the NFL. And we're the Green Bay Packers. And we win in the Super Bowl. And Aaron Rodgers tell, is the tell best me, thing since it, sliced bread. Well, That's it's the truth. But anyways. It's the truth. <laughs> he, he's, a, he's a renaissance man. He can do it all. He holds Jeopardy. He does this. He does that. I mean, what, what can't the man do? Anyway, thing I want to chime in with, I don't think your guys' offensive line is the best in the NFL, and I think this week's going to show that. I think Dar- Who, Dar- Donald's going to be a real this? I would probably take the Colts' offensive line over your guys's. Um, Chump change. The Ravens' offensive line is pretty goddamn good, too. The they Buccaneers were when line, they were healthy. Yeah, that's the one thing is the health. Well, I mean, you guys aren't healthy right now either. I would probably take Tampa's in front of your guys's. The Saints is pretty good. I mean, there's a couple of them up the top. There, it's been such a funny year for offensive lines with injuries and COVID and everything like that. But I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say the Packers are the best. This <laughs> is a fun. Sure. This is a fun discussion. Uh, I would say Cleveland is kind of in a league of its own at the offensive line. But uh, I mean, here for you sure, go, Jeremy, right here. This there you go. Just backs me up. Oh, give it so, to him. PF PFF grades for offensive line this year. Number one, or you're right. I guess I can't say they're the best, but they are the second best in the league. Cleveland. They're the best. Thank you. Give the, it to me. Cleveland had the best PFF ranking or grades overall uh, this year. And so you're Green telling Bay me was, the Packers. Green Bay was number best. two. Wow. wow. So, anyways, Owen, what were you going to make your points on this game, please? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, just to cap that off, it, I mean, interestingly which... enough, uh, the Rams are number three. They the Rams have been uh, yeah I, I agree I seen that too with Whitworth now that he's healthy and he's playing in this game uh, with Bakhtiari the Packers have two like best at their position 
on the offensive line. And then they have Elton Jenkins, who's the top five at his position. And then they have three, four other guys who can actually start on the line and be very versatile. Um, so my worries, as you mentioned, Jared Valdir, that was kind of an interesting story. Jared Valdir started for the Colts at left tackle last week, uh, but they only signed him to the practice squad. And because of COVID protocols, uh, they were allowed they they were allowed to start him even though he was still on the practice squad, and by those rules they cut him after that game. Uh, the Packers were able to sign Jared Valdir right back up, who uh, played for them in the playoffs last year. So that was the intention. That was the intention. Jared Valdir was going to start at uh, I believe left or right tackle in this game. He gets COVID. He is out. Luckily, he didn't spread it to anybody while he had his one day of practice. That is nice. We got through that. That was kind of a scare. Yes, that was. So it'll be interesting to see how they juggle the line around. Uh, Aaron Donald will definitely, definitely, definitely be taking care of Luke Patrick. Uh, if it gets to the point where they have to make a, make a move, they will have to move Billy Turner inside, uh, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, where, that's where I'm scared. So the thing about Adams versus Ramsey – uh, they're both top of the line, both top of their position this year. The thing about it is Adams has Rodgers. And when Rodgers throws it in a spot where you can't guard it, then it really doesn't necessarily matter how good you are at your position. It, can um, I add one thing to that, Owen, real quickly? Go for it. Is they're also going to scheme. One thing I didn't think about, um, but I listened to earlier, is they're going to scheme Adams open. Adam, where Ramsey... Ramsey's going to semi-follow him, but they're going to put Adams all over the field, in the slot, on the left, on the right. They might even throw him in the backfield. They're going to put him yeah. everywhere to get him the ball, to get him open. An interesting point i seen on Twitter today. Uh, a lot of teams like try to force their best player into the slot receivers to avoid Jalen Ramsey. Uh, it wouldn't be forcing Adams into the slot because he already plays 38% of his snaps at slot position. Thirty-one percent of his targets are at right. this opposition. So, so I mean, that's definitely going to be in the game plan. Hopefully, they don't ham it up too much because we still like to see him in his in his in his. Uh, let's get him the touchdown spot. You know what I mean? Just burn it off the side, make a move, whatever you got to do. So, I still think he gets his maybe forty yards and a touchdown or something. Excuse me. So, that'll be an interesting matchup. I think Aaron Jones is going to have a big game. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, it's hard to predict, but he is this, you know, this potentially his last game in Green Bay. He wants to go out with a bang or or get to the Super Bowl and get his big contract after that. I think that's a perfect situation for him. He'll be motivated. And we talk all this about the Rams defense, the Rams offense. It's the quarterback situation is just I have zero confidence in the offense at this point, especially against a decent enough defense. Uh, Seahawks kind of sucked last last week. Offense didn't give him any favors, uh, but the offense isn't going to F it up for for the Packers defense, put them in crappy positions. I see the Packers rolling this out, winning by a score of 34 to 23. That was my prediction. Ooh, that's a big line. The over-under is 45 and a half. But, I mean, you throw that all out the window when it's Lambeau Field, snowy, 33 degrees. So you, you think Green Bay can put 34 on that, on that defense? 
I think they could. And it's not necessarily that the defense is going to play bad. I just think uh, the off, like on the flip side, Rams offense is going to get shut down a few times. They're going to have bad field positioning, maybe some turnovers. Um, and when Green Bay gets into the red zone, it's, it's nails. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's called the gold zone, Owen. The gold zone. I love gold. So I got to play devil's advocate real quick here. Because I feel like um, you guys are some biased half Packer fans. But no, Donald could really, he could, him and Floyd, like you said, they could really wreak havoc on this game. Because here's the thing is you're going to have to double Donald. And then you got Floyd, if he's out on whoever's playing in Bakhtiari spot, that could turn into a turnstile out there. And then it's just going to be pressure in, in Rodgers' face all game. And if you're the corner, I can't think of the corner on the other side of Ramsey, but he's not bad. Isn't Darius it? Williams. Darius Williams. Yeah, he's good. Darius Williams is actually very good. Um, and it's not like the thing is the Rams defense is not just Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Like no. they have a good enough defense to play with just about any offense. The thing about Ramsey is if the Rams are smart, you start the game with Ramsey not following Adams. But if Adams starts to take off, then you lock him on there regardless of where he goes in the field because they have the ability to do, do that with their secondary. And they got speed at linebacker too. So I think Aaron Jones, it'll be hard for him to have a big game because they've got a lot of speed on defense and they're a pretty sure tackling defense. It's really, I think it really comes down to Aaron Rodgers and if, if he has any miscues, if he gives up the ball at all. I think the team, the teams that quarterback throws or gives up the ball the most is who ultimately loses this game. If Rodgers has a couple miscues and throws a couple picks, a couple fumbles, they lose. But well, I mean, you know that's not going to happen. So I wouldn't say that. I definitely would not say that. Because um, I mean, Don, if Donald gets through and hits him a couple times, that could be a couple fumbles real quick. But uh, my my overwhelming concern would be Jared Goff's thumb. Like, how are you going to grip the ball in those in those conditions? It's going to be hard. It's definitely going to be hard. And yeah, it's not I, like I, the Rams' running game hasn't been that impressive, where you can just go, "Oh yeah, they're going to lock this game up." You know what I mean? To me, it my my hope lies in the Packers' defense being able to pretty much shut the Rams down because that Rams defense looks so good to me that I I just don't anticipate the Packers' offense being able to do much unless, like you said, Owen, there's a couple turnovers or maybe you know a nice kick return or punt return that puts them in good field position where it's it's an easy score. But I just speaking that, of that, Seth, who covers who? For the Packers defense, who's covering top? Who's covering woods? Um, I think Alexander is pretty much locked on the left side, and King's pretty much locked on the right side. They don't do a lot of moving around. Um, I mean, a better matchup. I would put I would put Alexander on Cup, and then put yeah. uh, King on Woods. That to me, that's how I would do it. But they're I do, pretty I much locked you. on both sides, so they're not going to move yeah. around a lot. I think the Rams will definitely attack King a lot. Um, and I think there's going to be a couple It's smart not – it would be stupid not to because of how he's played this year. Yep. No, you're definitely coming into – you're coming into a situation where both teams have – one team has a true shutdown cornerback in Ramsey. You guys – Wait a minute, what? Cornerback in, Alexander's not a shutdown cornerback. You have Wait, one shutdown cornerback. No, you, you can't, you can't say that that confidently. Get the hell out of here. Get no, out of I here. Don't. Out of the chat. Give me, give me no, one no. second, Jeremy. Give no. me one second. I, you want me to tell you something? It's the eye test. I don't care about your stats. <laughs> uh, Jalen the Ramsey's the best cornerback in the NFL. Were you watching the games when he hasn't allowed three catches to the, the guy he's covering? No, he hasn't Who's allowed three catches. Who's the guy? Year. Name off the guy. Who's the guy? 
Thielen, he shuts Robinson, everybody down. That's all I can really think of. Thielen, Thielen, he's old, washed up, and white. Anyways, Ramsey does it on a day-to-day basis against anybody. And he's got the size to do it on anybody. Ramsey's a true lockdown quarterback. Alexander, he's good. He's very, very good. But he's not a lockdown. He's corner. actually he's the lock, best. He is a lockdown corner. Now we're he's actually we're not, the best. We're gonna move on from that. I if, guess, if we're so, gonna yeah. talk about so, this is this is where I was getting at. Ramsey's a true lockdown cornerback. Alexander's not, but he's a high end cornerback. We're just gonna avoid him anyways. <laughs> now the second cornerback, I'll stick to that argument because I think you guys are falling into the bias when when uh, when Rebus was around, he was the only lockdown cornerback in the NFL. But everybody was like, "Well, awesome You well, know, they uh, they call Sherman. They call it Jaw Island. You know that, Jeremy? So, anyways, it's going to come down to the second cornerback on each team, and I think the Rams' number two cornerback is just head and shoulders better than the Packers. All right, let's move on, Owen. I'm sick of this. I mean, look at, he, these, look at he, these biased Packers. No, Seth, you did hear. He did. He did hedge his bets. He's like, I'm going to play devil's advocate. He doesn't believe any of it. Don't worry about it. Like he's just trying. Oh, to I, do it, I do. When it comes to the cornerbacks, I do. Ramsey is the only true lockdown cornerback in the NFL. Nobody's even close to him. That, I mean, that's just not true. It is true. It is true. Ramsey you has gotta, the ability. Jeremy, you got to get those glasses back. checked. That's all I got to know. You guys got to get your – you got to check your ego for the Packers at the door. You got to just look at the games for what they are and the players for what they are. You know, if we come out of this week and, like, it would surprise me, but if we come out of this week and Ramsey in that secondary has, like, two or three interceptions – and then Mackenzie Alexander gives up a touchdown. I'm going to rub your guys' faces in it. <laughs> what does that prove about J- Jair Alexander? What did you say? Alexander, if he, gives up, if he gives up a touchdown. He's just not a lockdown cornerback. He really isn't. He's good. He's very, very good, but he's not a lockdown cornerback. I mean, again, like uh, to, the, to the listeners, pure speculation. We don't know a fucking thing. But <laughs> Jeremy's wrong at the same time. I know that. I'm a- not wrong. So let me let me ask you this. I'm gonna, you know what? Right, for next week, for next week, I'm gonna dig up some serious. Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, AJ Brown had no more than one catch in the games that Jair covered them. Justin Jefferson's a rookie. Mike Evans, zero Did receptions, one target. Calvin Ridley, zero receptions, two targets. Calvin Ridley. Okay, if he'd have done it to Julio, we could talk. But he did it to Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley's about Ridley is a better receiver right now than Julio Jones is. Yeah, because Julio Jones isn't playing, Seth. You know what? You want to know something? You want to know something? The, um, Montgomery up in Chicago is a better running back than Walter Payton because Walter Payton's dead, Seth. That's why. <laughs> I can't even believe that. Julio Jones is – you know what? When I see Alexander – This show has gone him, off the rails. It has. Jerry, I, I just Jair Alexander has allowed 15 receptions all year. 15 receptions all year. Because Let me say it again. There's nobody on the other side of the field. All... There's nobody well, ta- on the other Calvin side of the field. Calvin Ridley, Mike Evans, Will Fuller, Justin Jefferson. No, 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 no. On the other side of the defense. On the other side of the defense. Why do you... Well, Kevin King's a good corner. They're just throwing at him because Jair is all over the other guy. Lock it down. They, people I can't actually believe throw you guys... at Ramsey. People I actually throw at Ramsey. Are... I don't think he's you... not a lockdown corner, but people actually throw at Ramsey. Are you going to take this to the next step and tell me that he's better than Jalen Ramsey? I didn't say that. I, you, I just don't. told you I'm not saying that. I just told you that people throw at Ramsey more than they throw at Jair. You know, they have to. You, you, you to. were right, Owen. We were going to argue about this game. God damn it! It's it's not so much the game. I got <laughs> I got faith in the Packers to win. I, I, 
Ramsey's just on a different level than Jahir Alexander. Like, Ramsey's what's the next? only lockdown. What's next? Right what's next, Owen? What's next? I can't even do it. I've, I mean, I've lost all control. I can't even host a, <laughs> a segment properly after this. Jalen Ramsey's the best cornerback in the NFL. There's, there's no question. Jair no Alexander is in the same league. Yes, he is. No, he's not. He's not. Yes, he not even close. Well, let's just wait and see, I guess. Baltimore versus Buffalo. Baltimore at the Buffalo Bills. Uh, so this this is an interesting line. This might be the last time Jeremy and Owen are on the same podcast together. <laughs> might have to be. Might have to be after this. He says I test. Does he even watch Packers games? I don't even – I don't know what this is. I do. It's the only damn thing on my TV half the time I have to. Yeah, but oh, so you really study that Rams tape then because it's not – it's on hey, your TV all the time? time out. Gosh, as far damn, as just dude. watching Jalen Ramsey – Jalen Ramsey can play on anybody, man. He can, and so can Jair. It's not, it's not that hard to say. You just named off a bunch of guys, like to a bunch Kelvin of guys. Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, Kelvin Ridley is a top five receiver this year. Mike, Justin Mike Jefferson, Evans is you just said Mike Evans, the top receiver in the league already. Just Justin Jefferson is going to be the top receiver in the NFL. Is what I've been saying. Mike Evans is the only one that I'll give any respect to in there. Kelvin Ridley's only good because he's on a pass-heavy, shitty team with no Julio Jones. He's going to lock down Cooper Cup this week, and then Jeremy's going to say, "Oh, it's just Cooper Cup." So it, it, it is just count. Cooper. <laughs> Is it DK Metcalf? Is it DK is Metcalf it can Jones? only run one route, and he burned Jalen Ramsey on that one route. He did it twice. Hey, to move, him. hey let's move on to the next game. I Baltimore at Buffalo. Game. So this is a weird line. <laughs> I can't even do it. Oh my goodness. But uh, home teams are usually automatically spotted three points to be favored. Uh, this this is a weird line. This is kind of Vegas telling you they don't really know what the hell to do with this game. So Baltimore is at Buffalo. Buffalo is favored by two and a half points at home. Uh, it, this all this game also this is gate, uh, Saturday night. This also looks like snow showers, which will be interesting for uh, poor Lamar Jackson. <laughs> um, Owen's flustered. You're just you're flustered, guy. <laughs> Tell me more about the weather. You think you're so goddamn smart? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I gotta come back down to, to to. I gotta get my biased Packer fan out of out of me. But I mean, when you when you come after my guys, <laughs> I'm just high on Ramsey. Anyways, I'm just high on Jalen Ramsey. Buffalo Bills. You know, Owen. Seth. Seth. Chime in. Chime in. Seth. You know, what's the line here, Owen? What What'd you say the line was? Buffalo is favored by two and a half points at home. I. So it's almost a pick'em game, pretty much. It, in a sense, it is. It's if it's less than a field goal, yeah, pretty much. Okay. Here, here's I mean, a history. Here's a history lesson. Buffalo is eleven and three at home in playoff games in their history. Well, that that locks it up for me. Then give me Buffalo. <laughs> I think it actually like honestly Buffalo because they have they have fans this week, right? I like they have like they a have... decent chunk of fans, if I remember right. Right. Six to nine thousand fans, and I'm not just saying that for the pun. <laughs> somewhere wow. in there. Green Bay's having uh what seven, eight thousand? Not to go back to this game again, but they're yeah. they're having some fans this weekend, which will be cool. Yeah, Anyways, those fans are gonna have Ramsey jersey on. Anyways, no, I think I think Buffalo, we talked about this quite a bit when we were talking about the Buffalo Colts game earlier. I think this is really gonna come down to you know Josh Allen deep ball, center fielder for the Ravens, and then that Ravens defense, that front seven, like we said earlier. Like Owen said, with all the, you know, you got all these huge defensive linemen and all these, you know, these linebackers and pass rushers that can run. It'll be interesting to see if 
because this is going to have to be won by Josh Allen. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be a battle of the quarterbacks, which is funny because these you got. Did you guys see the ages on the quarterbacks in the AFC? Baker is like the oldest quarterback in the AFC playoffs right now at 25 years old or something crazy like that. Yeah, the ages, the NFC versus the AFC. It's yeah, it's crazy. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. But you got Lamar and Josh Allen drafted in the same same year, and it's going to be a battle of the quarterbacks. Honestly, Lamar's going to have to make plays to win this game, and then Josh Allen's going to have it's it's going to come down to whoever quarterback plays better. I, I think this is going to be a high scoring game. It's because I don't see the Bills defense really slowing Baltimore's rushing attack down too much. Um, the key is if, if it is going to be snowing and things like that is, you know, field conditions is how well Lamar's going to be able to run on that. Um, but I, I, I would still pick Buffalo because I trust that offense more. I trust Josh Allen more and the rest of what those weapons. The, what was the weather again? Is it supposed to be sloppy? I, I, yeah, it's said a, there's it's a chance a, for showers. Yeah, it was again like a smaller. It said snow showers in the forecast. Is what it said. I mean that might that might kind of lead into Baltimore's offense. I mean not so much Lamar running, but you got Dobbins and Gus Gus Edwards. I mean that might lead. In, I mean is Mark Ingram finally going to play and actually have another game again? But ah, that's going to be interesting. I I still I I mean I I still I'll stick with Buffalo. It's not, yeah, it's hard not to go Buffalo. It really is. Really, is. they're the hot team. They are the hot team. Still, still uh, my AFC pick. But I mean, Baltimore. I mean, Buffalo kind of came to a halt. They were hot, and then they played a good team, and then they kind of got tested. Baltimore has been playing hot, continued their hot streak. At least, I mean, they struggled kind of in the first half, like you said, with the big, like the big, like what the hell are you doing, Lamar? Pass in the first quarter. What what what's he even doing passing? I don't know why they even pass the ball in Baltimore. You just run the hell out of it first, and then you find what's open after that. I think is just that's, yeah, the that's, only way you can do it. Um, that's literally how to do it: is let Lamar run and then throw off of that. You know, we met, we mentioned Baltimore's great secondary when we were talking about them earlier. So maybe Stephon Diggs uh, gets hampered a little bit. He doesn't go for 160 yards, two scores, whatever. But Gabriel Davis had some plays last week the he's the wide receiver he had like two two uh toe catches on the sideline like in a row he's just starting to to be that dude you know he made some plays when uh john brown was out because he was that third guy he he, you know he looked good john brown is back healthy so it just gives them another weapon that i i I, yeah i i look to a guy like that to kind of bust open this game if they if they edge a safety over to to Diggs's side because you probably should because he can burn you, um, I would I would watch out for a, a name like that to pop up and have a huge impact. But uh, it all comes down to I mean the Bills have some athletes in the in in on their defense, Jermaine Edmonds, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. It's all about them limiting Lamar's big runs when it looks like it's open when it looks like he can break it. If you stall that out, um, I think the Bills could just blow this up. I think this could be a big Bills game. You think uh, so? I'm gonna I'm gonna go Buffalo. <clears throat> oh, and to what you just said too, like two of the guys you just named off in the Buffalo secondary, they could end up getting a couple picks off Lamar. You know what I mean? That secondary Easy. is pretty good. It that very, secondary yeah. is really good. Trey White at corner. Uh, I mean. 
I was gonna say who are who are even the Ravens receivers? I guess he's still got Hollywood Brown, but I mean, but he doesn't I, take advantage of them. They don't take advantage of them. You know, not I mean, as much as he should. Sure, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, it's all about that run game. It's all about the run game, really. Yep. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Buffalo here. Yeah, and I'm gonna feel pretty good about it too. Let's lock it in. Lock, lock it in. Up. I didn't say that about the Green Bay game because it got a little feisty, but we we it locked got, it. It got heated. <laughs> It got heated, Seth. <laughs> oh, man. It was a fun argument, though. Uh, all right, next game. We're going Cleveland at Kansas City to start off Sunday at noon. I don't know how – Too bad they didn't it. make this the late game, you know, because that's pro- that might be the best game of the weekend. They should have made that the late game. Well, I think they saw Brady versus Breeze, and they're like, yep. money, money, money. So Take advantage of the old people. Uh, that's what you do. Yeah. Cleveland at Kansas City. Kansas City, this is the biggest line of the weekend. Kansas City is favored by 10 points at home, which is kind of scary, just based off of Kansas City's tendency to not cover the spread ever right now in the last half of the season. Now they're going off two weeks of rest. Could be beneficial. Could be a little bit of a slow start for them as well. Cleveland has just been building – uh, on their hot streak, they're feeling they're riding as high as ever right now with Baker. Did at you the say the spread? <clears throat> ten points. Kansas City favored by ten Ooh. points. Ooh. Right. That, like I said, yeah, it's kind of scary. So, I I believe Denzel Ward is playing in this game. If I read that correctly, I will. I'll chime uh, in real quick. Andy Reid is seven and zero career record against the Browns. Ooh. All right, here. I'm going to say I'm taking Kansas City, and I think this could be a blowout because I'm, I'm looking at the Browns' schedule just to kind of compare. The last time the Browns played a quality team, their last three games was against uh, – they beat the Giants week 15. Um, they beat the Jets week 16, two, two average, below average teams. They beat – Pittsburgh week 17 with no big Ben, no starters. And then they lost to Baltimore the week before the giants game to backtrack 47 to 42. And then they beat Tennessee the week before 41 to 35. So in their wins, they scored a lot of points is what you're saying. Yeah, you're right. But they also gave up a lot of points. And if they're giving up points like that to teams like that, they have not played a team like KC this year because, you know, well, they just didn't play KC because KC's on another level pretty right, much. Right. Um, I just don't see the Browns being able to stop them really at all. I, I mean, I could see 40, 50 points from KC in this game. You think KC's got the better defense? Uh, it's close. Yeah, yeah, that's the one place is like, Miles Garrett and those guys could they could probably make an interesting matchup out of this, but it's just like if if Kansas City just comes out and like really puts together an offensive performance, they could put up fifty plus points kind of easy. Just to kind of bounce off of that, uh, Casey's defense is sixteenth in total yards. Cleveland's is seventeenth in total yards. Pretty even, pretty, pretty dang yeah. even. Yep, pretty much. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Kansas City and Andy Reid. Regardless, I just it feels like it's about that time for the Browns to lay a stinker. Um, and I mean, if you get 
if you get the Browns to come out early and then if they kind of just shut it down like they did against the Steelers, the Chiefs aren't going to screw up like Big Ben and the Steelers did. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Got the injury report on this? Like, is uh, Edward Hilaire and Lev Bell, anybody, who's, who's out or in on this? Uh, Denzel Ward is for sure playing, which is a big get back for them. Uh, what about Miles Garrett? Is he for sure playing? I believe so. He did. Did he get hurt in the last game? He I don't did. think he played last game. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm just kind of looking at it now. It says it's unclear if he's playing on Sunday yet. That could be a bit big in, impact because if he played, he could actually like that's a guy that creates pass rush by himself. You know what I mean? It, another guy on that line I'm seeing on injury report is also Sheldon Richardson. He's not a for sure on Sunday either. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go KC with that plus ten. I think. Uh, you know what? See, that's where it's funny is that line because it's like. KC will probably win by a touchdown, but 10 points is so much. You know what I mean? This I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be that hard for them. I, I just – I don't. I guess I don't have a lot of faith in Cleveland yet. 10 points I mean, is so much in the playoffs. If they beat KC, then that's, that's, that's a huge statement win, obviously, in the huge. playoffs too. Yep. But I just I'm, – I'm picking KC until they prove me wrong. I'm going to go KC to win, but not by 10. I'll take Cleveland to cover that 10. That's so many points, man. And, I mean, Cleveland's got enough offense to keep this game interesting. Um, Stefanski being back this week, the offense is just going to be able to move. You know, I mean, they're going to be supremely confident after what they did last week. I'll go KC to win, but not not by 10. That's too much to me. Even with that I'm, offense, that's just too much. I'm actually on the same boat as you, Jeremy. And uh, you know but what? I'll take the easy victory, then. You know what? I think Kansas City is on the most upset alert. Wow. Really? I agree with that. I agree with that. I really do. All I right. do agree with that. I just think they got this wrong, uh, this line, at least. It's really and it's really hard to gauge what the Browns really are after that last game because it was that last game was all predicated on what Pittsburgh didn't do or what they did to themselves, rather. Um, but Baker has been showing he can put up the points. Uh, they keep that – I mean, that rushing attack is so lethal. We're looking at – by the way, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looks like he is still not practicing. Tomorrow will be the big tell for him. Le'Veon Bell is. He will be in. Um, Cleveland's got some injuries to their, their excellent offensive line, but I think they'll all play. So, in that case, I'm going to – I just feel like I just feel like one of these away teams are gonna are gonna win, and boy would I love the goddamn chaos that would would ensue if Cleveland beats Kansas City. That, you're right; that would turn. It'd be so interesting. It really would be. I mean, it's Kansas City's game to lose for sure, but it's just that that two week I, I just there's some there's there's some cloudiness there. So I'll yes, I'll pick really I'll pick Cleveland to at least keep it close, but we'll see. I, I read a thing where – or I heard it on a podcast where they were saying that Cleveland is really playing with house money right now, especially after beating the Steelers. So it's yeah. like every game at this point is like their Super Bowl. You know what I mean? It, it really is. Been, it really it's, is. Yeah. Especially every, against they, they KC. Have, mm-hmm. I just – God, this game could be – it would be so interesting to see the Browns win this. You know what I mean? It would be and crazy. just go on a run. 
And I mean, this is they're primed to do it. I mean, they're on a hot streak right now. They beat the Steelers twice in a row that really big last week. And it's like, you got to imagine after last week of kind of dying off in the second half, they've got to be wanting to put on all three phases, all four quarters. So this, yeah, they probably come. This is a statement game, big time. I mean, yeah. it, it, this is really kind of like all or I don't know. It, it's hard to explain this uh, for sure, but like Cleveland's already succeeded their expectations so like they're kind of already done if they lose this game it's already like well you know cleveland art is already here you know nobody expected them to beat the chiefs anyway but if the chiefs lose this game like you said owen complete chaos like it's gonna throw the nfl into a just frenzy it's gonna be out of this world it'll be because it'll it'll turn into like there's gonna be these wild hot takes about like is kansas city done and then there's going to be wild, these wild hot takes about, you know, because Cleveland hasn't been in the playoffs in so long. And then it's going to turn into, like, you know, the, the dynasty coming from Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns. It'll be – that'll be hilarious. That'll be insane. Um, yeah. Uh, either way, hoping for a great game. I just imagine Cleveland coming out, punching him in the mouth right away, maybe keeping a lead up until the third, fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden Mahomes read flip a switch and they're like, Score two touchdowns, take the lead away. That that's the thing. Like they could score just like that. They could knowing, if it, when they knowing, decide to. Knowing Andy Reid from his Philly days, I bet you they come out in the first like drive or two with a bomb to Tyree Kill. I bet they do. He's gonna try Absolutely. to get a, an early an early play to fire a start them guys. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It. We'll see. It. We're the the only game we're split on so far. We'll see how it goes. A, the closest line of the weekend coming up here, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans beat them big time, two times this year, 30-plus points, and then keeping Tampa Bay to single digits both times, at least once. Um, Tampa Bay just looked like a different team when they were playing the Saints this year. Does that trend continue, or are we expecting uh, – the Tampa Bay of last week, at least in spurts, because they didn't turn it all the way on against Washington. You could tell they got the lead and they just kind of hung on to it. Um, do they do they kick it all in high gear, all from nothing, against the Big Brother Big Brother Saints, or is the Saints just stay consistent as hell and they take this game away? What do you guys think? So I was going to chime in with New Orleans is one of the last five games against Tampa Bay. And I think that stops now. <laughs> I no. really do. Um, I really do. I think um, this is going to come out and be like the nail in the coffin on Drew Brees' career. I think it's going to be kind of similar to a lot late, like the Steelers game with Big Ben. I think Brady and those guys are going to come out fire, firing on all cylinders, spread the ball around. I could see this being a game where Tom throws like four or five touchdowns and four, they're like four or five touchdowns to four or five different targets. I bet you Gronk gets one, Evans gets one, Brown gets one, Godwin. I bet you they're throwing it all over the field. I, I really think this is gonna be like like we said earlier, if uh if Kamara doesn't have a big game, I don't I don't think they have a chance, you know. I on the other hand am gonna play the opposite there. I I am picking New Orleans. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that streak that you're talking about, Owen. And really I I'm banking on that defense to kind of shut Tom Brady down again. This is 
probably the the second best defense remaining in the playoffs behind LA. So they they played pretty consistent and pretty well all year. And like you said, they shut Tom Brady and that offense down twice. I think they'll do it again. And I think once again, Drew Brees and that offense will do just enough to get the victory. Fair for you to think that. And I'm not saying you're wrong. But in my head, I look at the Bucks at a few different times this season have looked like the best team in the league. And the Saints have looked consistently good, but never like an elite, like this is the team to look out for. It's hard for me to bet on inconsistency. But Tampa Bay looks good, man. Offensive line looked good. Brady looked good. Play calling looked good finally. They look like they're they on the same page. Of, they both kind of fi- fall under inconsistent anymore, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, a little I mean, the bit. The Saints dropped bit. the game to the Eagles, you know? It's true, but the defense is always kind of playing the same way. Sean Payton's always that was a calling defense. a good game plan. There. That's true. I mean, Anyways. that's true. That's where I'm not like – they never look like a bad team, whereas the Bucs have looked like a bad team multiple times, but not as of late. I'm going to pick Tampa Bay. What do they say? What do they say in the media that it's 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 hard to beat a team three times in a year, or whatever that whatever dumb saying they always go with. I mean, but. you got to imagine it is true. I mean, you got so much tape on each other though. You know, these teams in the playoffs, I mean, these teams in division already knows each other so well. And then you throw in a third game in the season. I mean, this is the first year for Tom over there, but still, you know. It's true. It's true. I just think the biggest problem for the Bucs has been uh, Canarians and Tom get on the same page. Is Tom throwing it where he thinks the guy's going to be? Are the receivers on the same page? It looked like they were putting that together last week. Especially if they have Ronald Jones back. Let me look that up real quick. I think uh, he I think was still he, questionable from what I saw. But did I, I see think him back at practice at least. So it looks like he's okay. on his way. The one thing you guys are forgetting is that this game is played in New Orleans and Drew Brees is almost undebeatable at in New Orleans. You know, so, Seth, I, I hear you. I hear you on that. I mean, either way it'd be in, played in good weather. You know what I mean? Tampa or there. Right. I, my, my thing is, so I got a question for you guys. Say, say Tampa does lose this game. Do you fire Arians at the end of the year? Like you almost feel like you got to make a change at that point. Cause then it's at that point, it's like, they really got your number. You're not moving on from Brady, you know? No, you're not, but. You, There's been a got... lot of animosity there this year. You know, it just, it feels like it hasn't been the perfect marriage there i mean do you keep arians or do you maybe but here's the here's the thing is who's gonna last there longer i mean brady isn't gonna be there for no more than another year or two at tops that might be arians too though because arians is already technically retired and then come back for this position you know what i mean i I would almost, I mean, I would prepare to move on from both almost like, I mean, you you definitely need to get some kind of successor for Brady when he goes in the next year or two, but you're right. I mean, if, if they, if they lose this game, there is that animosity, maybe you bring in a guy that 
can help repair that and, uh, you know, get you to a Super Bowl before Brady's gone. I wonder, you know, say, say they do lose this game. Would you rather have Brady with a new coach or would you rather have Arians as a new quarterback? I think I would rather have a new coach looking into an old quarterback trying to get a young one rather than an old coach looking to get a new quarterback and then a new coach. Because coaches always like to get their own guy, you know? Yeah, true, true, true. But you don't know with an old quarterback like that, like who knows when he's going to completely fall off. It is Florida, so that's where you go to retire. So I guess I get it. But um, yeah, I just – I mean, Tom is really kind of in the perfect situation. He really is because you're in Florida. You're always going to have good weather. He's surrounded by a lot of talent, so he never has to really do a lot. So he's kind of he's in the perfect place, really, for him to be. Like, you could almost put any quarterback in there right now, and they would look good. So – but I mean, it's been been kind of a roller coaster ride, though. You know what I mean? Like, it hasn't been – Perfect. Is, is that is mean, that more on Brady or on Arians? I guess I think that's more on Arians, honestly, because like Brady's kind of been making the best of. I mean, yeah, there's weapons all over the field, but Fournette at times has been like, oh my god, is Fournette kind of done? Gronk has looked like he shouldn't have came out of retirement at times. OJ Howard went down. At, uh, Godwin and Evans have kind of been the two like surefire things week in and week out. Uh, Antonio Brown's kind of had a slow start. I, I think Brady's probably looked better. Personally, I think I would rather have a new coach moving forward with an old quarterback and then replace the old quarterback, you know, rather than the other way yeah. around, in my opinion. Bruce Arians, I think, too. You have an idea that Tom wants to play into his mid to late 40s. Arians is kind of a wild card as far as when he'll just kind of. It's know, true. You know, Brady just yeah. needs to go. I know. I mean, come <laughs> so. On. You let's let's be let's just get this out for the out there for the listeners. You do not like Tom Brady, right? You're right. I I do not like Tom Brady. He's yes. one of my most disliked players in the league. You and know, I so will celebrate I will, the day that he officially retires. I will chime in on that. It's not that I like or dislike Tom Brady, but I respect the hell out of that guy. Because I mean, what he's done has never been and might never be done again. Like honestly. It's, when you Records take it are made to be broken. Seth, he might retire with the most yards, touchdowns, Super Bowl appearances, and wins. Playoff Only because yards. he's playing until he's 50 years old. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. The rings are not because of how long he played. <laughs> no, no, the rings are not. No, but no. the stats could be. That's, that's stats, though. I mean, Emmett Smith wouldn't be talked about if it wasn't because of him playing for, you know, 16, 17 years or whatever the hell it was. True. Yeah. True. Very true. All right, well, let's that's wrap the it up. gambit, right, boys? That's the gambit. Did, did uh, we all pick? Uh, I'm the only one to pick New Orleans, though. Is that correct? That is correct. All right, so I'll Seth, go four and zero this week. That's fine. Seth, Seth went chalk. He went all favored teams. Uh, Jeremy and I both went on the the underdogs for Sunday, so that'll be interesting to see how that one goes. Uh, I on can't this, wait on this super duper divisional round weekend. Exactly what you said. Yes, that one. I think and, you know. I just wanted to say. I think the team I'm the most sure about is the Buccaneers. Really? See, that's probably the game I'm least sure about. What about you? I think, I think I'm more sure about Buffalo. I think I. I think I'm really because Buffalo is just too good. 
for me to write him off. I, I can see him losing to Kansas City. I don't. I just don't see them losing to either Cleveland or or Baltimore. Just too hard nosed. Josh Allen too good. I agree. Yeah, I mean he is. Uh, let me let me uh, throw out uh, uh, an apology to the listeners for letting for letting Jeremy get in my emotions one last time. <clears throat> he's he's great at it. He knows where to hit. It, uh, you, this is not the last time. I just want to throw that out there. This will not be the last time. <laughs> What'd you say, Jeremy? Here, here's the thing. Jer- Jeremy's very strong, headstrong in his opinions, and uh, Owen and Seth are very headstrong in their bias of the Packers. <laughs> and especially in a season where my Eagles look like absolute dog shit, I'm really gonna latch on to. Jalen Ramsey being like the best quarterback, a cornerback in the NFL. I'm, I'm going to latch on. You're going to latch on to whatever you can. I, I, I have about, to, Seth. The thing about to. the thing about this journey is it goes twofold because Seth and Seth and Owen also <laughs> very headstrong in their opinions, and and Jeremy very headstrong in being anti-Packers. When when hey, we no. get a little when we when we get a little too big for our britches, in your opinion, you're just like, oh, I'm going to saw him down now. So here's the thing. Ramsey is definitely one of the best corners in football, and that's pretty obvious. One of the best. See, that's why I, I just can't do it. I, I think he's the best, bar none. I, I think Alexander's top top five, if not three, for sure. Like, he'd probably be two or three for me. But I think Ramsey is just on a different level to me. See, in your argument, you're definitely you're, – you're saying <laughs> – never mind. I don't want to get into it that much. Give, give it saying, to me, Owen. Give I'm the people saying, what they want. You're right. There's a little bit of fan brain in it, and that fan brain has been covered in this protective blanket that is Jair Alexander covering a whole 50% of the field for the last 24 games of Packers football. And I've just felt so safe and protected in that in that safety blanket that I know I know what I feel. I know what my feelings are, Jeremy. I know how I, know, I feel as a fan watching games. And not worried of lick about that one side, so I think you'll come around to see that they will. They are in the same conversation, but this I respect is, your opinion that Jalen Ramsey has proved it a little bit longer, and he has been playing against better competition this year for sure. This is my explanation of why I would go with Ramsey over Alexander. They definitely play in probably different schemes, and they get utilized differently. Because Ramsey, when he come out, was a safety cornerback hybrid. You know, that's what he was used as. And that's how Jacksonville really utilized him. Uh, L.A. does a pretty good idea. Uh, uh, you know, they do a pretty good job of that. Where Ramsey blitzes, he plays, you know, in the nickel. He does a lot of different things. Because, he, I mean, ideally he's built like a safety. Dude's like six foot two. Now, Jair is kind of like the cornerback type where he's just sticking coverage. You're just going to lock him on a guy. You know what I mean? They get utilized different. I guess that's where – in my opinion, it's kind of similar to where I look at running backs where I would take, for instance, I would take a Steven Jackson or an LT over Adrian Peterson every day. There's Steven the Jackson there again. I, I, I'm Steven just Jackson saying, like, that, that's my most ideal comparison because, like, Steven Jackson can do anything for you. Dude can catch the ball. Dude can block. Dude can run the ball. Adrian Peterson is never known for catching the ball. So that's my thing. Is like I just like these players that can do more for you than just run the ball. Cover. I hear you. That's my that's my opinion on that. So don't get me wrong, Alexander, top three cornerback in the NFL for sure. He's pro- 
other than what was it, J.C. Jackson, who's probably one of the top guys statistically in the year, this, the NFL this year. But I would just uh, Jalen Ramsey and uh, Stephon Gilmore. I mean, the build and then what they can do for you—they're hard to not want. What on your team. now, now, Seth? You got to settle it. You got it. This because this will be the official podcast opinion. What do you think, J? John, now, time out. John Money or Jalen Ramsey here, Seth? The dude's a Packers This isn't even fair. No, no, it is fair. It's we're all thirty-three percent opinions here. This is this is democracy right here. So, Seth, Seth, lay Seth, it on let me. me. St- let me throw in my two cents. Now, as far as the defense goes, do you like just the sticky corner and coverage? Do you like a guy that can do a lot of different things for you? I mean, Jair can do a lot of different things. He he's a great See, tackler. Here's, <laughs> Here's the bias. <laughs> it's it's been you know it's what? been it's been thrown out there. Like Jair is not afraid to tackle. Like he he'll run up on guys so many times. But so for you to say, I just I think what gets me is more of your disrespect for Jair. Yeah. I'm not disrespecting him. I just said he was the second or third best corner in the league. I know, but you're I just like, said that. You're like Jalen here, Jair here. Like the, you're oh, like you're yeah. saying there's like no competition. Like there's not I think don't even there's no argument when I think you can make an argument. No, neither Owen or I are saying Jair is high and above better than Jalen, but there's an argument. You you can make so, an argument. This is what I'll say. Jalen Ramsey is the best corner in the NFL, similar to Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. They're just young, physically gifted, and can do anything at their position. That's where I think that's how that's where I'd make that comparison. That I understand your argument, but Seth, you still have to give me an answer. Seth, right now your answer is if, if if I'm <laughs> ranking these guys, I am going Jalen one and I'm going Jair two. But it's I really can go, I can go with that. It, it's, it's really it's pretty close in my opinion it's pretty close like like i just said you could make an argument now next year in the year or two jair will probably be the best corner in the nfl he very well could be he very well could be and i mean at that point in time the rams got a decision to make like because i mean shoot in a couple of years here ramsey's already got to be 26 27 years old jair's like what 22 or 23 yeah. he's young he's young he so, came I mean, in young no, you're not- and yeah you're not wrong. I mean, Jair could definitely be one of the. I mean, he'll he'll be the next. He's gonna be one of the two best corners in the I NFL mean, for the next five to six years. Who, Ramsey will probably switch to safety. You know, who who would I rather have? I'd rather have Jair. So see over the two, I would rather have Jair for a combination of reasons. But can can you promise me that there's no because... bias in that though? Can you guys promise me there's no bias in that? I bring no bias to this argument. I don't. I'm not a fan of either of these damn teams. <laughs> no, I don't bring. I don't bring bias. I'm very. I'm very hypercritical of Packers and. We're and we're very impartial. Deserve to be critical. Very yes. impartial. I like that. I like that. And just just seeing it as we so, see it. Let me right. let me give you guys this. If you were to just do a, a quick off the top five corners in the NFL right now, who would you do? Uh, other than those two, Stephon Gilmore, uh, Xavier Howard, and probably J.C. Jackson, just because of the stats. But what about Tre'Davious sure. White? Gilmore, I was gonna say Gilmore missed like the whole season, didn't he this year? Yeah, but I'm, um, I'm, but if he you're going off healthy, today, yeah, yeah, right, right. J.C. Jackson, you got to include Tre'Davious White in there. You have to. Over I was gonna say Xavier Howard. Oh, I would put him probably over J.C. Jackson at this okay. point. But that's also close. That's a close one. You could say 5A, 5B if we want to put our top five. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. 
I do know what you mean. All right, I think it's that. time to. Uh, I think it's time to get out of here and let's peace out. Let's, I'm gonna, let's, I'm gonna let's throw, rest some ears. I just want to throw some two ears. underrated names that you guys didn't say. Um, you know, Mar- Marlon Humphrey and Ever uh, Jason Brett. Same yeah, you're right. you're right. Marlon Humphrey would be the one actually that I would put over J.C. Jackson. Now that I think about it. I was going to say, and Verrett. The thing about Verrett too is he was so injury prone those first couple of years, and now he's like very similar to Jerry Jerry Alexander, where he's just the sticky coverage guy. You know, but never mind. All right. <laughs> you just, you know, like you just can't. Don't, give, don't, you do, just it. don't can't, do it. You just just can't. All right. What well, was wrong with what I said? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm we're, done. We're I'm walking off. There. James Bradbury. I could keep naming off guys. Keep going. All right. Keep going. Razul Douglas. Casey you know, Davis. no, won't touch him. I won't touch Razul Douglas. <laughs> Not yet. I, I think it's time that we give everybody a little break. I think. I uh, think so for and, sure. And they deserve it. Everybody, a a well weekend watching some football, of course. Go Packers. Of course. Of course. Go Pack Go. Right, right, Jeremy? That's what it says. You know, Seth, you just made me think there's uh, – is it only two teams left in the playoffs that don't have a Super Bowl? The Bills and the, the, Bills and the Browns? Yeah, you're right. Because there's nobody on the NFC side. No, they've all, all – all those teams and all those quarterbacks have won one. Yep. So. I was going to say – it, I, I'm rooting on underdogs. That's my thing. I mean, I get it. If the Packers don't win it, I I would, the Bills would be my next choice. Bill, Bills or the Browns for me. I, I mean, a, Andy Reid, I'm, I'm tied to because it's Philly, but I'd love to see an underdog that hasn't won it win it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Always cool to see that. All right. Have a good weekend, everybody. Enjoy some football. And of course, adios. <laughs>